This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Hey, star making performance. The I show mean, she's not the show's wrong. Doing point, the show's doing point one ones. <laughs> Nobody watches the show. Less people watch the show now than were watching it before her star making performance. And Rich Frage. You're indifferent on apples. That's what a what a what a great fruit that you're just letting go by the wayside. What is your fascination with apples? They're fantastic. It's the fall. It's the apple season, man. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich, and he is Joe, but he is not Joe Lanza. Yes, Joe Lanza has his inflamed layer nicks, or I don't know what he's calling it. He, he did want me to let you know that it is not the flu. He wants to reiterate he does not have the flu. Uh, he has some vocal cord larynx inflation issues, something going on. But that's fine, because I found a more than suitable Joe replacement for this week's show. It is the one, it is the only Joe Gagne. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing great, Rich. Joe sounded fine on the audio. I thought released. so, too. Uh, yeah, what a baby. I, was like, oh, what's I know, yeah. Problem? I don't know. Yeah. Can't Didn't sound speak. Like... Doctors told him he couldn't speak. All right, you know what? Yeah, so like Hanma from gargling razor blades. Yeah, but yeah. other than that, he's <laughs> yeah, other than that, I mean, Giant Baba did for years, and nobody cared. He was like a big commentator. People loved people loved Giant Baba, and he, you know, kind of sounded the same way. So I, I, you know what I mean? Well, look, Joe takes sick days. I don't. I take a few vacation days here and there, and, and maybe WrestleMania weekends. But other than that, like I'm here every single week. So just just don't forget that. But uh, uh, anyway, no more than more than happy to bring Joe Gagne on. Uh, this week we're going to do a, a, a bit of an interesting thing too. We're going to have two guests, but you guys are not going to be on at the same time uh, because I believe you're both from the state of Massachusetts, and that's way too much Massachusetts. We we did that last time I brought you on. It was you and Andrew Rich, and, and I'm sorry, that's just way too much Massachusetts. People can't handle that. The, the so people have spoken. I might say it's not enough, Rich. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Someone in the Discord said, well, Massachusetts is the best state. Well, and it got I, like, I think, 50 thumbs down. I was going to say, it got so resoundingly thumbed down. Wow. <laughs> so I uh, I agree that most people would uh, would say that uh, they're, they're, two is more than enough, uh, Massachusetts. But no, we're going to do, uh, Joe is going to come on here uh, first hour and a half, two hours of the show. Uh, we're going to talk about Antonio Inoki, uh, AEW infighting between Andrade and Sammy Guevara, uh, WWE Extreme Rules, New Japan's Declaration of Power, uh, and a few other topics along the way as well. And then we're going to tell Joe to hit the bricks, and we're going to bring on Scott Edwards, who writes for VoicesOfWrestling.com, for a Joshi segment. Yes, a very rare Joshi segment here uh, on the flagship podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about Stardom's five-star Grand Prix Finals. Uh, the Rise of Julia. He wrote a really, really great article uh, on the website uh, that we're going to talk about, as well as Stardom's, you know, importance in, in, in Pro moving forward as the relationship with New Japan continues to grow. Uh, and then this weekend, Tokyo Joshi Pro has the Wrestle Princess Three show. We'll touch on that uh, as well. So it'll be a, a two guest, two part ish show, but uh, should go pretty smooth and should be uh, pretty fun. But uh, yeah, Joe, I want to thank you again for for coming on here and and filling in on a. a Short notice, but uh, again, I, as I said, you volunteered to do this, so it is your fault. 
um, that you're I don't know. I, I bet Lance is kicking himself, missing out on uh, Noki and Joshi. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, you're probably a better person uh, to bring because I heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, uh, is Joe going to do a Noki next week? Is Joe going to talk about a Noki next week?" And I was like, eh, "I don't know if you want Joe to talk about a Noki. It's uh, Joe's a Noki uh, eulogy is is going to be a little different than uh, than, <laughs> than you and I, I think uh, right. a lot of ways. But I, I think that's the best place to start. Obviously, when you know one of the five most important figures in professional wrestling history passes away, like you kind of have to start the show off with that. So we, we of course are going to have to start off uh, with the life and the career of Antonio Inoki he passed away uh, obviously earlier this week or over the weekend. I forget the exact day. I think it was October. Well, that no, was October 1st, right? I think was the official uh, uh, date of his passing, but uh, for a lot of people, it, it, it was something that felt inevitable. And, you know, I, I you know, I heard from some people, uh, that you know had worked from New Japan or had worked and 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 it was basically like everybody was kind of ready for the day when that news was going to come, uh, and you know they were really wanted to get him in the ring at some point during this 50th anniversary. They really really wanted to get him, uh, you, you know, uh, as part of this celebration of the company that obviously he created. Uh, unfortunately, it never did come to fruition, and 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 that's a bit of a shame. Uh, that they weren't able to do that, but uh, it did seem like they were able to mend some fences before he passed away as well. New Japan and 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 Inoki, and I know that um, there's been some some you know they're doing the ten bell salutes, and there's going to be some other stuff uh, honoring uh, Antonio Inoki. So that that is good. At least they got to that point. And I know Okada uh, has been front and center and trying to kind of be the olive branch to say, oh, okay, look, there's 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 some bad blood, there's some 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 wounds still from the Inoki era, but uh, let's you know, as we're celebrating our 50th year, and as he, you know, we don't know how much longer he's going to be on this this planet. Let's let's try to mend that fence and, and do something. It looked like they did a little bit uh, in this final year, so that that is at least good to know uh, that that we got that. But uh, yeah, what what did what was your initial thoughts when you heard uh, the news of Antonio Inoki uh, passing away? It's it was kind of like when Bruno passed away, and it was just so surprising. And I know that that seems weird. They you know, Inoki was I believe seventy nine, which is not. The young age is pretty darn good for a wrestler. And it was still kind of surprising. I knew he'd been in bad health, but he's just kind of this monolithic figure that you never think, oh, yeah, he's going to be gone one day. He just, you know, he wasn't involved in wrestling, but you just kind of always assumed he would be around. He cast that larger shadow over so many. <laughs> I mean, we, we could spend days discussing his his life and times, you know, just going beyond wrestling. There's politics and MMA and just, just all kinds of things. It's, it's hard to know where to start. Yeah, and that 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 is difficult. I, I you know I did a piece at at, at flagshippatreon.com trying to do my best to sort of discuss his career, and it's it's so hard to write about because it it's as you said, I kind of had to say pro wrestling. Like when I sat down and I I made my notes, I was thinking, good god, this thing's going to be ridiculous. Because if I if you just talk about one facet of Antonio Inoki, that's going to take forever. If you just talk about the pro wrestling, prolific pro wrestler, created New Japan Pro Wrestling nearly destroyed it like if you want to talk the, the the good and the bad of it there's a ton to get into there's a ton to get into in just the pro wrestling if you want to just talk about the MMA kind of being the founder the creator of MMA like you can do that you can really do an entire article just about this man who you know obviously was a pro wrestler but was fascinated by the idea of mixed martial arts and 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 challenging and finding out who the best fighters in the world were so you got that if you want to just go to the Ali fight, there's a book about it. Uh, somebody wrote a book just about the Ali fight, and you could do that, and that's more than justified. To just that is all you cover is the Ali fight, and and, and then you get into oh, well, here's a photo of Antonio Inoki and Saddam Hussein. <laughs> it's like what? It's it, I wrote about in the piece that like 
if you had pitched the movie of Antonio Noki's career, if you if you were sat down at a Hollywood and 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 got in a writer's room or got in, in to, to pitch a Hollywood you know studio or whatever, and you sat down and you just told them the bullet points life of Antonio Noki, you'd be laughed out of the room. You know, it's 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 Forrest Gump on steroids. It's like, all right, yeah, here's this like guy that was Japanese, but then he lived in Brazil, and then the Godfather of Japanese wrestling discovered him in Brazil, so he brought him back, and then they you know became gigantic pro wrestling stars, and he created his own wrestling company, uh, and then oh yeah, he fought Muhammad Ali, oh yeah, and he freed hostages from Iraq by doing a photo op with Saddam Hussein, oh yeah, and he uh, he did stuff in North Korea, including the largest wrestling show ever, where you know people at gunpoint had to go and attend uh, in North Korea, but hey. Uh, 300,000 people went, so that kind of counts for something. And then, oh, yeah, he almost destroyed his company. If you explain the Anoki story, just, just they, you get laughed out of the room because it's so ludicrous. And that's it's so difficult to kind of tell his story. Like, what we're going to try to do here is 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 going to be almost impossible because you can't condense this guy's life to 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever because there's just too much to it. It's 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 too vast and it's too just insane. Like, every next Anoki story is just even more... Uh, insane than the other. We could we could do an hour just about the people lining up to get slapped by him <laughs> on New Year's Day or whatever. Like just an hour on that, I think is more than justified to to, to discuss. I gotta tell you, if the opportunity arose for Antonio Noki to slap me, I would have taken it. It's just well, you want his powers. I, don't think right? it I, don't think I mean, he's gonna give. Yeah, you, I mean, the, you the never idea know. Is you get slapped and he gives you his powers, and it's like, well, you know. The trade-off is, at, at the very least, you get to stand in the ring with Antonio Noki and get slapped. That's kind of cool. And the best could be you get his powers, which is fantastic. You get the, the fighting spirit. Uh, that, uh, you can't pass that up. Yeah. I mean, he met with Fidel Castro. He Apparently, <laughs> someone tried to assassinate him, which I don't – I read that in an Observer okay, article. Okay, sure. Yeah, great. I, yeah. I don't know if you're lying or not, like, but I'm sure you're right. Was like, it real? Uh, if you, <laughs> was that, Did that really happen? Like, no – Evidence sure. to prove it wasn't, and that's like Probably. glossed over. It's crazy. Yeah, and then and then uh, Shiny Wizard in the Noto of Sharon brings up a good point. Oh, yeah, he did government. He was part of public office in Japan, had resigned due to scandals, and then got reelected later, like 10 years later, because they were like, ah, Tanoki, come on, let him back in. So That's right, the Sport and Peace Party. <laughs> right, of course, the very famous Sport and Peace. We need that. I Honestly, <laughs> the, the way we solve American issues is the Sport and Peace Party, I think, is... is, is um, you know, yeah, you got Republicans, yeah, you got Democrats, yeah, you got the the green, but we need, you know, we need the sport and, and what was it, the sport and peace party. Sport and peace party. Uh, their motto was, an octopus hold on the national diet, a jumping roundhouse kick to the back of the head of the national consumption tax, Fuck which really yeah. rolls off the tongue. Hell yeah. See, that, gets, that gets my vote already. <laughs> like, I'm in. <laughs> I mean, sure, is he going to embezzle millions of dollars? Probably, but... Well... <laughs> you know, you take the good with the bad. It's, it's... That did kind of derail his career a little bit, but, you know... Yeah, it, it happens... Who, look at our... I mean, no politician is perfect, so... Um, you know, if you're not embezzling money um, multiple times over the course of decades... You're not trying. You're, you're just not trying, so... Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 going to be nearly impossible to try to do his entire career and, and, and try to, you know, put it into... A neat little package of, of of a segment here, but you know what are what are your memories of Anoki? Like when when did you first kind of find out about Antonio Anoki, and and you know what did you like about him? You know what did you dislike about him? His his in ring work, his his persona, everything about it. Like what's your kind of you know brief history with with, with Anoki? I remember it may have been Bad News Bears three where they go to Japan, and he's in that movie. That's another um. Okay, I, I think mean, you're I making that, that up. I don't know that you're making that up or not, but I'm just going to assume that any. 
like farcical story that seems too good to be true is probably true and, and i'm sure no that's i that. probably yeah. saw that on like cable or something i'm like oh who's that guy but um i don't know it's kind of a name you just kind of heard name dropped here or there especially wcw was associated with new japan he worked the clash in 1994 in uh cedar rapids iowa <laughs> of you know, course like <laughs> people there just show their pro wrestling love for antonio Inoki as he uh, took on Lord they Steven also Regal. went eh, no, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah no they sat there and one, and one they... of the best one two three dies of all time in Cedar Rapids <laughs> I'm sure yeah no and Nick oh, Bockwinkel came oh, out and uh, talked to the announcers because Hulk Hogan that was the show they did the Nancy Kerrigan angle with Hulk Hogan <laughs> so he's got you know Lord Steven and the octopus and Nick Bockwinkel's like we don't know if Hogan will compete tonight to the announcers so not uh, got a dud in the observer wasn't that bad though but um, yeah kind of one of those Nate, obviously, I wasn't around for his uh, his heyday or, or anything like that, but it was a name you hear about, and you hear about 80s All Japan. You try to go revisit, you know, you get some comp tapes back in the uh, back in the day. But I will say, on new, if you have New Japan World, and I'm, I imagine everyone listening to this does, they've put up a ton of Anoki matches. You just click the thing. There are seemingly hundreds against tons of uh, major stars. And, you know, it's it's so funny discussing Anoki. The wrestling almost seems like beside the point. Like, yeah, it's right, right. it's like kissing away. Like where the band, where you know the the music is, you know, the kind of a third in importance. It's really the 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 look and the packaging and the live show and all that. And you know, Kiss albums are kind of you know tertiary to the whole experience. And it's kind of that way. Feels that way about Anoki. Like we discussed his politics and his influence and promoting seems to come first. And it's like, you know, I thought he was. I'm not going to say he was like an all-time great wrestler, but he had a lot of uh, highlights there. And he was in the ring with pretty much every, you know, every major star. You look at that playlist New Japan put together, there's everyone. You know, there's Hogan and there's, uh, you know, the Funks and uh, Bruce Brody and just, just everyone he, he kind of ran across. And, you know, he, he has some matches. Uh, I re- You know, he, he really brought that realism and people just believed in him so much. It's yeah. just, it's you know, it's, it's really hard to put into words. Like he just connected in a way that very few people do. And yeah, it's just, I mean, I just recommend going back, watching his 80s stuff and you can talk about, you know, it's putting people over and whatnot and, uh, and lack thereof. But um, no, he had that kind of, he was just, I don't know, just someone you believed in, which maybe the most important thing in, in wrestling and certainly Japanese wrestling. Absolutely, yeah, and 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 you know that uh, you, you mentioned the New Japan World thing, yeah. There's like seven pages, and I think it's got to be, it's in the hundreds. The, the amount of matches yeah. they, they either you know just recently put up or have had up for a while, but but we're able to compile them into in that one thing. Yeah, all you have to do is go to New Japan World, and there's a giant picture of a Noki. Just click his giant chin, and and you'll get to uh, this <laughs> incredible list of, of matches. But yeah, like you said, it, it's you know the fact that he wrestles from you know the 60s until, you know, 1998 is his final match. I mean, that's, you're going to face a lot of guys, and, and and especially in New Japan, you're talking about 1972 uh, until 98 as well. So it, it, it covers, it covers like the classic, you know, 60s, 70s wrestlers up through, you know, the 80s guys that, that you know. And then, yeah, the tail end of it is in, you know, 94, 95, 96, 97, 98. He's, he's facing, you know, other guys, you know, the up and comer guys that maybe a lot of listeners here have filed their entire career, know their entire career, or whatever. So, yeah, the career that he spanned is just absolutely nuts. And yeah, a very, very prolific wrestler. Uh, and, and, and faced them all and, and, you know, faced them in, in, in big time matchups, uh, as well. And, and, and as you said, like people just believed everything that he did. And that, that I think is going to be more so than any single match. Like, you know, if I went and said, oh, this is the matches you have to watch or whatever, like, 
I don't know if there's any match that I would say you have to go out of your way to watch. I would say if you have never seen the you know original UWF versus New Japan uh, elimination match, that's one that you absolutely, absolutely, absolutely have to check out. Um, him versus Tenru uh, at the uh, the 1994 Tokyo Dome, January 4th, 1994, uh, is probably my favorite Inoki match. Uh, I think it's just a, a really, really great, uh, really incredible spectacle. But other than that, it's like you can just kind of go to that page and say... Antonio Inoki versus Willie Williams. What the hell is this? And just click it. And just, you know, then that that's, I think that's the truest Inoki experiences to click and go like, who in God's name is Mr. X? And why is Inoki facing him? Just watch that. Or, or yeah, who is this? So it's a random Soviet wrestler versus Inoki. Well, whatever. I'll watch it. And that that's kind of the, probably the best way uh, to, to, to consume Inoki uh, things versus trying to find like the best matches. Cause it's really not about to me, the bell to bell, Great work, yeah, that sort of stuff. He's not that, and I don't think I, I don't think many people would argue that like Bell to Bell, he's one of the top guys ever. I don't think Bell to Bell anybody would would consider him near your Masawas and your Kobashis and that sort of guys or whatever. But he never tried to be that, and that's never what he really was. Uh, that wasn't his style. But you cannot deny the crowd connection, and I think that's the thing. You know, watching any Anoki matches that I'm just completely taken aback by is like, dude, this guy is is a god. This guy is quite literally a god to these people and 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 can almost do no wrong and and they're on you know they have he he's just got them whatever he tells them to do they're going to do however he wants them to react they're going to react and and that you know few guys get that and and you know that there was a big discussion point about that uh this week and and, and Jesse Collins wrote a great piece uh, for VoicesWrestling.com, just talking about, you know, Anoki uh, and, and you know, whether there will ever be another Anoki or, or the chances of... And it's just, no, there's never going to be another guy like Anoki because this is a guy who has a direct line to the creator, the godfather of, of pro wrestling in Japan, uh, Ricky Dozan. So you're talking about one line. It's Ricky Dozan and one of his his proje, Anoki. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one else is going to have that. And people just don't consume wrestling that way anymore. People don't, you know, that wrestling isn't that way anymore. It's never going to be like it was uh, with Anoki trying to present himself as a legitimate fighter, a, a guy that can beat the best in the world and, and take him head on or whatever. Like, he took on a just completely different role than, like, your, your Tanahashis, your Okadas, or that sort of stuff. Those guys are great, and everybody kind of knows that they're great and, and and consider them, you know, you know some of the greatest of all time. But it's, it, it's just different with Anoki. You have to watch a match. You have to watch a moment to really get how different it is. It's just, it's not... You know, it, 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 he's he's a one of one. There, there will never be another person like Antonio Inoki. There just can't be. I just don't think the system is set up for it. No, there's a match against a man named Left Hook Dayton. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> like, what is that? I'm gonna click it. So. He was a martial artist and bodybuilder, Left Hook Mike Dayton. I'm like, man, that's incredible. There's, you know, Inoki and Maeda against Hulk Hogan and Iron Mike Sharp. I'm like, oh my god. This is... <laughs> Sign me up and uh, uh, do not watch the jungle match. Though I will say that the, uh, uh, the island match. Maybe out. skip that one. <laughs> that's uh, that's just uh, you know watch it for the um, watch it. Look at some images of it. Maybe some gifts, and then uh, that's that's probably a smarter way uh, uh, to do that. But uh, yeah, the New Japan World. I, I, I was bouncing around a little bit uh, and, and watching a lot of that. But uh, yeah, I, well, you know, obviously, you know, the good of of Antonio Inoki is you know was one of the biggest stars in Japanese wrestling. You know, in, in the late sixties and. Um, with JWA and whatnot, and then, you know, issues led to him, you know, leaving and trying to make his own company or whatever, and then that didn't work out, and then he had to go back to JWA, but by that point, when he went back, 
Uh, they had already kind of moved on, and Giant Baba was like their top guy because he obviously stayed there for a while. Uh, but those two were a team for a while, Giant Baba and Antonio Inoki, which, as you can imagine, was pretty popular because those two guys are very, very popular. But uh, as you know, fate would have it, JWA was was falling apart at the seams, and and both guys left, and both created their new companies. Uh, Giant Baba obviously creating All Japan Pro Wrestling, which is also celebrating their 50th anniversary because, well. They were at the same time. Uh, New Japan, obviously, then breaking off with Antonio Inoki. And then, yeah, I mean, as as far as New Japan, from 1972 until the early 80s, man, was just kind of rolling in Japan. Like, it, they, they were doing very, very well. Uh, uh, big crowds, you know, bringing in, you know, top talents, that sort of stuff, having good connections with American companies. Like, I mean, New Japan was rolling for, for a long time there. And then the Inoki problems that were kind of kind of pop up constantly throughout his career popped up where... You know, guys are looking around at full houses and big crowds and TV deals and all this sort of stuff and going, ah, hey, uh, can I get a little bit of that money? And Anoki going, what money? I don't know. What money are you talking about? And then them leaving. And that's what leads to the original UWF, uh, you know, thing where, where those guys leave. And then, you know, obviously they come back uh, later because UWF is a failure. And then they come back and then they do the, uh, as I mentioned, the New Japan versus UWF uh, uh, elimination tag, which you absolutely, if you've never, if you're listening to this and you've never watched that match, uh, finish the show. You should definitely finish the show, but then immediately after the show, go watch that match. I mean, that is that is one of the all-time coolest matches with one of the greatest crowds you can ever possibly have uh, in that one. And then, unfortunately, that would kind of become a constant theme throughout the 80s and the 90s is that, like, you know, top stars would emerge in New Japan and then go, like, hey, can I get some more money? And then Anoki would say, well, I, you know, no, I can't do that. Or, you know, we don't have the money there. And and little by little, the the embezzlement and, 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 and Anoki using funds from New Japan to pay for other things just kind of reared its ugly head a bunch of times over and over and over and over again. Guys would leave, guys would come back, and that sort of stuff over and over and over again. And, and unfortunately, kind of clouded a lot of uh, of the. But with that said, like, those guys usually would end up coming back, and then it would be a really cool moment. And then they would have an invasion angle where the UWFI guys are in, or the UWF guys are in, or these guys leave and come back, or Ricky Choshu leaves and comes back. So there was a lot of really, really cool stuff that was created basically by Inoki's embezzlement and all that sort of stuff. So I guess you can give him partial credit, like, you know, that that, that he was able to, you know, uh, make those things happen. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, obviously he retires in 1998. Uh, one of the big criticisms, and I mentioned this in, in um, you know, my, my piece that I wrote at flagshippatreon.com is, is he did very little to put over the next generation of New Japan wrestlers. And I've seen some people argue this, and I'm curious, Joe, uh, your thoughts on this. I don't think that Inoki should have taken a bunch of falls. Like, I don't think Inoki should have lost a lot. He he had a persona to sort of promote and and, and and be all about. But I do feel like on that retirement tour, it was like a four-year, the final countdown retirement tour, whatever, 1994 to 1998, he didn't lose to anybody. And that's kind of tough. Like, especially when you're the top dude, you've been on top for 20 years or whatever, you're going to leave now. It did feel a little bit like going back in history being like, ooh, that may have not been the best idea that, you know, once he left, he he really didn't put anybody over on the way out, uh, and it maybe doomed an entire generation of guys. Do, do you do you subscribe to that at all, or do you think that it was fine because it's Anoki? I I don't I don't know if the rules really apply to Anoki. <laughs> you know all that. Much. I mean, you think you you know could lose, you shouldn't do a ton of jobs on the way out. You should do one job that's hopefully meaningful. But I don't even know if people want to to see that. You yeah. know. To, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's a really good a, point. Is that it may have actually backfired. You know what I mean? Like people would have maybe been upset that this guy beat Inoki on his final countdown tour. You know, they're they're annoyed that Inoki lost or whatever. Yeah, it got to that point. I mean, hell, you look at, you know, the Vader win, that, you know, famous Sumo Hall riot where, you know, there were some other issues that, that led to, you know, the fans being, you know, annoyed and angry or whatever. But Vader 
beat Inoki and beat his ass, and the crowd was like, fuck this, and, and decided to, you know, light cushions on fire and basically start a riot. And, and, <laughs> and yeah, it's like, maybe they thought about that. Maybe they said, hey, look, we can have, you know, Shinya Hashimoto beat Antonio Inoki, but is that going to get the right kind of heat, or are people just going to be upset that Shinya Hashimoto beat their, their legend, their god, their deity, you know, uh, uh, Antonio Inoki? It's an interesting question. His, I, I watch uh, a later Vader Anoki match, and Vader goes up to the top rope at the end, and I'm like, oh my god, this is totally Jonah and Okada. Like it, it was just yeah. like note for note. I can see why that resonated uh, so deeply with people who were fans at the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, one of, one of the classic ones that's brought up, and Gerard brings it up in the note of Shout right now, is like you know Fujinami never putting over Fujinami in a singles match. You know, doing a 60 minute draw, and that be like, all right, there you go, you drew with me. That's basically a win, and it's like. Ah, not really, you know, and then, you know, so the little stuff like that. And, and when he did take singles losses, it was usually to guys that were already well-established guys that weren't regulars in new Japan, your 10 ruse, like you said, um, when he did the job to Vader, that was obviously a big moment and, and, and it worked and it made Vader a big giant deal. And that's where you can kind of argue, well, Hey, it worked that time. Why didn't you just try it a few more times? But I, I get both ends of it regardless. You know, he obviously retires in 1998, uh, he did wrestle a few more times after that, or some exhibition matches here and there. But for all intents and purposes, done wrestling in 1998, and this is kind of when things start to go awry for for Anoki, and especially in, in, in New Japan, is just the over reliance on the shooters and the real fighters, and just kind of the obsession with New Japan needs to present the best fighters in the world versus the other best fighters in the world. And we have to prove that we're strong and all that sort of stuff. So you got a lot of, you know, not great wrestling matches with guys that weren't wrestlers because they were legitimate fighters. They were wrestlers. They were judo experts. You know, they were karate guy, like all that sort of stuff that, that ended up kind of taking over the company. And, and, and on the flip side of that, you have all Japan on the, on the other side and they're just going all in with, Hey, our wrestlers are the best wrestlers in the world. So enjoy them. You know what I mean? With your Kobashi, uh, Kobashis and your Kawadas and, 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 and your Junakiyamas and those guys and Akira Tawes and those guys just going out there and having great wrestling matches. And, and little by little people started saying, Hey, I just kind of want to watch the great wrestling matches. Uh, and then when Noah happens, when obviously the breakaway from all Japan happens with Noah, that kind of takes things on a whole different level. Cause Noah is also like, Hey, we're just going to present really, really, really great wrestling. Uh, All Japan is then going to counteract with, you know, stealing Keiji Muto and Satoshi Kojima, guys that were kind of sick of the Inokiism stuff in, in, in New Japan, and they're going to move to All Japan, and then Inoki is pretty much left with a very small roster of guys and, and, and just kept going in and kept going in and more and more and more on the Inokiism and on the real fighters and all that sort of stuff, and, and the fans pretty much rejected it in mass, but it never stopped and it just kept going and going and going, and then made it even worse by... Noki having the decision that okay, well now I'm going to put my wrestlers in real fights and they're going to win because they're my wrestlers and they're, you know, the king of sports and all this. And it's like no, Yuji <laughs> Nagata has no business being in a fight with Mirko Krokop. And then he didn't have any business. He lost in 30 seconds. And and little by little more, these guys were just getting pulverized by these real fighters. And you know all the benefit that you would have gotten from them winning was made that much worse by them losing, and then they had to come back and be like, "All right, here's our top star, the guy who lost in 30 seconds to the real fighters." So that it's just he became obsessed with it, and he couldn't figure out a different way or a different thing to do. And and you know, what were your thoughts? I, I don't how much were you watching any of that era in real time, or did you ever go back and watch that 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 sort of you know late 90s, early 2000s New Japan stuff? I mean, honestly, really 2005. Uh, Yuji Nagata's quest for the IWGP title, you know, him winning the G1 and then trying to win the title was really what made me a fan of Japanese wrestling. I was really, you know, I was 
started reading the observer and i was like oh that's i remember him from uh nitro that sounds yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. And i'm like oh man you know i'm following along and then i'm like oh he's in a real fight like <laughs> they're like oh well you know he's a amateur wrestler yeah i didn't really know much about mma at the time i'm like oh he's an amateur wrestler i guess he could do something and uh he didn't he got his head kicked in and it was that led to uh you know guys who won shoot fights getting title reigns like kendo kashin and tadali atsuda iwgp champion and it was just so frustrating it was so frustrating i was like wait no this is you have awesome wrestlers who aren't you know getting a chance to to do great wrestling and i mean new japan won worst promotion i think multiple years in the observer awards it was like it was it's just so dire and yeah they used to have an online service called nifty back in like 2003 and four and you know you could get it was kind of like a, an old version of New Japan World where they, you know, they post shows and you'd watch on Real Player, which um, really take you back. <laughs> yeah, and oh yeah. I, remember, I was like, oh my God, this is so great. I get shows right away <laughs> for a good price. I'm like, and the shows are so bad. I was like, no, no, I'm done. I'm out. I'll sign up for Noah. And that's how I watched Noah for a bit because it was just so frustrating. And there was real thought like, like, New Japan might go away because this is just, it's not working and it's just a disaster. Yeah, and 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 it, it it really came to a head in you know the the early two thousands, mid two thousands, where, like you said, it, it, if people do not it, go read observers at the time, go read news articles. It, it was very very close to New Japan just going away completely. I mean, they were in dire, a, a completely dire state. No one was rolling. All Japan was doing okay. You know, they were doing fine. Dragon Gate was really starting to gain some steam and stuff. Like there was other options in Japan, and and, and Japanese wrestling fans were going to those other options. There were plenty of other places that those fans could go. And 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 New Japan, it got things got real, real dire. I mean, you can go look at Wikipedia and look at the attendances and go, oh no, things look okay. And it's like, well, okay, no, they were they, they were not getting seventy thousand people in the Tokyo Dome like like those attendances <laughs> might say. Like go watch those shows and and try to count the people in the crowd. Like it's not doing well. But like more than that, they were losing their TV deals. They were losing you know. T- you know, big contracts like that, and they were losing licensing, and they were lo- it just it got real, real dire. And Anoki just didn't see it. He just couldn't possibly get himself out of this idea that no, this is how we will be the best wrestling company in the world. Is that we are, you know, we we have to prove that our fighters are the best and that sort of stuff, or you know, that we're and it's like nobody wanted that. Nobody there was if people wanted. MMA and wanted fighting, there was that. There was other companies giving you that. There was no reason to get that in your pro wrestling. And 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 it really, yeah, it led to them becoming really financially unstable until uh, eventually Anoki did have to sell his shares of the company to Ukes, the the video game company, obviously famous for uh, uh, making several of the, they made the WWF game, but SmackDown games and that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, they end up buying them. And it takes them a while to even, you know, it, Yukes didn't come in and like immediately overnight it was good. Like the damage had been done and it was really dire again for a bunch of years even when Yukes opened it. Uh, and then finally Bushi Road came in and really had to, you know, build and build and build and build. And that's where then you get Tanahashi and Okada. Okada becomes a star and then they're kind of off to the races and, and they are where they've been for the last 10 years, uh, uh, basically. But uh, yeah, there it, it, it's not unrealistic to say that it was. They were on that store. I mean, there, there, it, it is. It was not unlikely that New Japan just went away at, at a certain point. And there's many points throughout the Anoki era of New Japan where it felt like uh, you know the potential was uh, that it could go away. And then you know, post New Japan, Anoki bounced all over the place. He had the IGF and then ISM and that sort of stuff, and pop up every so often, you know, here and there, but uh, never really quite uh, was, was given, you know, or, or never quite had the business success he he did in the, obviously the 70s and the 80s or whatnot. But uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to say. Like it 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 doesn't cloud all of what he did, but it is certainly 
the lasting memory of, of a Nokia New Japan is just, you know, him in financial ruin having to sell the company or whatever. And that, that it does kind of suck that that's the way that it ended. And then, like we said, you know, had they not kind of done that olive branch or had they not reached out to him, that would have really been it for Inoki. I mean, he was kind of, uh, you know, they didn't mention him. He was a ghost. I mean, they didn't talk about him. They didn't mention him. They didn't do anything with uh, with, with Inoki uh, for years and years and years. But, um, you know, th- this finally then realizing that, you know, Okada realizing it and the company realizing that, okay, maybe our time is limited with him. So let's, let's you know, extend an olive branch. Let's do something. So it was nice to see. I think he popped up back with uh, Jushin Thunder Liger uh, on his retirement show. Uh, and if you remember, he did a video and the crowd just like that noise. I'll never forget that noise that the crowd made when they looked up on the screen and there's a Nokia. Like, oh, what? <laughs> like, we thought he was never going to be said again. Like, because he became really like a toxic word that like the word and the name became kind of toxic in New Japan just because of how dire things got. Uh, but it was nice over the last couple of years that that it seemed to cool down a little bit and, and he could be celebrated, for, you know, for the good that, that he did and, and not just the bad. But uh, there, there there's both. And, and and you do have to start if you're going to do the, the history of Inoki and especially in history of Inoki in New Japan, you, you got to talk to good and you got to talk to bad because there, there's there's a lot of both. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's, it's good they made the defenses while they still could. But yeah, I mean, he was persona non grata for years just because what he did to that company. But it is good they. They got together in the end, but I mean, you know, I was just kind of looking. He did a lot of really kind of progressive things, like in the seventies. They did the first air promotional dream match gimmick. They lured Strong Kobayashi over from uh, IWE. They, he did the first shoot angle. I didn't know this. In uh, nineteen seventy three, he was standing in front of a department store window when Tiger Jeet Singh, uh, Singh yes. attacked him. Slapped his wife. Slapped his wife, and it was like. A huge thing in the newspapers, and, and yeah, and it seems wild. Like you know, people always you know, people see wrestling stuff today, and they're like, "Oh, it's so crass," and it's so it's like <laughs> this guy slept. This guy was like, "Yeah, slap my wife. We'll get we'll sell some tickets or whatever." And they did. It worked out great. Like it was incredible because because then people wanted to see Tiger Jeet Singh get his ass kicked. This guy beat up Anoki and slapped his wife, <laughs> and he's gonna get revenge on him, and he did, and that was awesome. So yeah, and I mean, you know, New Japan had. Not the first junior division, but probably the first really well functioning one, and uh, also kind of invented MMA. So yeah, right. And also mixed martial arts, a billion dollar industry. Yes, and and and, you know credit as well. I mean, whether he was a direct line in doing it or whatever, both Tiger Mask and Jushin Thunder Liger, you know, both creations under Inoki's New Japan. Again, like. He didn't not approve him, you know what I mean? Like, so if he was truly the mastermind or whatever, but like, still, they 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 got and those gimmicks both, you know, obviously the the first Tiger Mask incredible uh, business uh, did did well for New Japan, and then you know, <laughs> a bad decision. He said, "Hey, all Japan, you guys can take this Tiger Mask gimmick, yes. put it on whoever you want. I don't care, just take it." And they said, "Oh, well, there's this young kid Masawa. We'll put it on him and see what happens." Well, uh, ended up uh, being a pretty good idea because then he became uh, arguably the best wrestler of all time. Uh, and then, but the Jushin Thunder Liger character, I mean, that that obviously stood the test of time for for years and years and years. It, it it's goofy on its face, but uh, it worked. And then you had the right guy that played the role, and and yeah, he had a, a obviously a, a tremendous career, one of the best juniors of all time. So there's a lot of innovations in in Inoki's things. He 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 was definitely not against taking risks and trying things. The problem was the one thing that he just wanted to try more than anything else uh, uh, ended up being. The biggest detriment to to his his run uh, in, in in you know a top New Japan. I mean, you think Hulk Hogan wasn't paying attention when Inoki presented himself as a national hero? You know, when Hogan was over there. Oh God, no! Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you know, Vince can say he, he you know, pro, you know, promoting to kids and whatnot through 
you know, the, the tiger mask gimmick, things like that. I'm sure Vince picked up some tips too. So like I said, he casts a wide, wide shadow over multiple industries. Well, and then you, you can even go one, one, you know, even a little bit further is, you know, Eric Bischoff, obviously seeing the UWFI, uh, uh, New Japan angle and going, hmm, wait a minute, this invasion thing's kind of cool. I got to have an idea here. And that, you know, spawning the NWO angle and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, the, the, the tentacles, when you have somebody like Inoki, that's, and, and that's what he said, like top five most important, prolific, important, whatever words you want to use, like he's there. He is is in that upper, upper echelon. Like at worst, he's top five. You know what I mean? Like the, I, I, you, you can you can say, oh, well, Vince McMahon or this guy or that guy and Ricky Dozan and yada, yada. Okay, fine. Whatever list you make, like, Anoki's got to be in that top five, like, in terms of what he was able to do, uh, the, the outreach that he had, the, the, you know, and this is, we're just talking about the wrestling context as well. He fought Muhammad Ali, <laughs> Ali's prime. <laughs> yes. like, like, he fought, like, on pay-per-view, like, they, and it was weird, and it was strange, and don't watch that either, that's not fun to watch, but, like, still, it was, see, that's how culturally significant it was, that this man faced Muhammad Ali in his prime. Uh, in in a fight, you know what I mean. Whatever whatever you want to call it, what I I don't know what the official term was for it. It wasn't exactly a boxing match or whatever, but um, just wild stuff. Yeah, it, 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 the career is 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 so vast, and there's so much stuff that goes into it. Uh, and like we said too, the diplomatic things, and and you know the good and the the bad of that as well is that well you know. Should he be celebrated for doing stuff with North Korea? Should he be celebrated for taking pictures with Fidel Castro and Saddam Hussein and uh, doing stuff with Kim Jong, uh, you know, and, and 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 that sort of stuff? And should he be celebrated for you know agreeing with the North Korean government that they should run you know a show and force all the you know residents to <laughs> to go? Like I don't know, like there's people that will kind of you know argue the diplomatic you know uh, 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 benefits of that and stuff, but I could also see other people that are like, well, I mean, including the Japanese you know public who a lot of times and 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 you know when he was doing public office he would take trips to north korea all the time and they're like dude you can't keep going to north korea like, we don't want to talk to north korea you don't need to be doing independent diplomatic missions in north korea like we're good we don't need that and he ended up getting you know suspended and and ended up getting you know in trouble for continuing to just try to push the north korea thing and keep and they're like we're not interested man. we don't want to do stuff in north korea so uh it, there's a lot of that that goes into it too i mean it's 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 really interesting and it makes his life that much more incredible but like again you know people will argue you know is that something you know that, those sort of things should those be celebrated or, just show, or should those be added to the hey here's what you know kind of the seedy stuff that this guy did uh a, a, as well during his life and his career i can't imagine like a senator is like i want to go to north korea and negotiate just on his own and be like you know, yeah, like some scandal, senator like, from like crazy. north dakota being like yeah i think I, you know what i'll do i'll go to north korea and i'll talk with them They're like no we're good man like, don't do that okay and then just does it anyway yeah <laughs> so i got it no we're good like they like me i'll talk to them i think like, well we're good dude like we're not interested that's what happened. Yeah, that's what what, what Anoki would do. So uh, yeah, you got that. But uh, yeah, it, just an amazing, amazing, amazing career. Uh, and I hope people do take some time this week to, you know, if not watch the matches, which you should watch some of the matches, but just kind of read about his life and 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 you know the Wrestling Observer uh, bio, which I think Dave said is like one of the longest ones he's ever done, if not the longest one uh, he's ever done. Uh, that should be out by the time most of you guys listen to this. And obviously, I have some criticisms with Dave, you know, Dave Meltzer's writing at times or whatever. But the bios are never; uh, those are always great, like always, always, always deliver. Um, so yeah, he'll bring his A game for that one. And and, and this is 
like I said, a one-of-one one guy that he's going to be writing about. So really excited to read yeah. uh, that obit. As, as I said, I did something at flagshippatreon.com. I know uh, several other places. I saw some play, uh, something at The Ringer. Uh, uh, as I said, Jesse Collins did a great piece uh, for us as well at voicesofwrestling.com. So there's just a ton of stuff uh, about Inoki. But I would say more than anything, just read about Inoki. Just learn about his life and learn about the history um, and, and go from there. Yes. And uh, I don't know. There will never be another Antonio Inoki in whether that's good or bad, yeah, it's for better probably or for both. Worse, yeah, for it's sure. probably a bit of both, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, definitely a one-on-one uh, pro wrestling legend. So yeah, it's Antonio Inoki's uh, a career and life there. But uh, well, I guess moving to a topic that I think Antonio Inoki would love. He would probably say, this is good. I like this. <laughs> More of this in my company, please. Uh, Andrade and Sammy Guevara getting in a backstage fight. There's been zero days since the last AEW uh, backstage fight. This report comes from Josh Nason over at WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, quote, both Sammy Guevara and Andre, uh, were, uh, Andrade uh, were both warned by AEW management on Tuesday about not fighting or else they would be sent home. Now, this obviously started uh, following a back and forth on Twitter uh, after an Andrade interview where he said that he had an issue with Guevara. Uh, Dave Meltzer said that both men were talked to on Tuesday and told there would be no fighting or else both would be sent home. In Andrade's case, he was told he would not be fired if he got into a fight. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, both agreed and said there would not be any issues. Meltzer said that he got five different accounts of what happened, three of which were identical, with a fourth pretty close to the other three. The consistent story is that Guevara did not throw any punches or fight back even after Andrade punched him, possibly a, quote, sucker punch, according to what Meltzer and Alvarez heard. Uh, one account had Andrade spinning Guevara around, Guevara pushing him, and then Andrade punching him. Uh, Meltzer said that he had heard Andrade was waiting in a hallway for Guevara, and the two got punch- and got two punches in before it was broken up. Uh, Andrade was sent home, and there's no word on what AEW plans to do with him for now. Uh, it was noted that he is under contract for several more years, and there's speculation he would like to return to WWE. Part of the reason for the behavior this week. Joe, what? is going on here what the hell andrade and sammy uh we'll, we'll start out with the, the you know the, the, the fight uh, and then we'll get into you know the andrade possibly wanting to leave for wv that sort of stuff not being fired uh but, but what do you make of this fight you know backstage uh, yet another uh, backstage fight in AEW, which is uh <laughs> a, a becoming a trend these yeah. days out of the nxt parking lots truly most deadly place <laughs> the nxt parking lot of wrestling promotions right now yeah it's yeah it's like a, a level on a beat-em-up just endless fighting Everywhere it seems like it, it seems like Andrade is not happy, wishes he was back in the WWE and uh, wants to get there any way he can, which <laughs> to him uh, was provoking a fight with uh, Sammy Guevara, who th- does have a history of being caught up in these things. I don't know how much blame you can place on him in this instance here. Maybe you don't yell back at Andrade on Twitter. But uh, yeah, that was my my take from the whole thing, and it's just another situation where this is getting all the headlines, and dynamite and its content seems kind of an afterthought compared to the latest uh, fisticuffs going on backstage at uh, All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, and, and another good number, I'd say a pretty a, a pretty decent number uh, at least for uh, for dynamite this week. So it doesn't seem to have like you know clouded people's interest level in the company or whatever. But like you said, for for discourse purposes and and for what we do, it's just like yeah, it, it feels. Like every week, it just gets whatever's going on in AEW in ring and whatever the guys are doing, it just seems completely overshadowed by the 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 drama of the week. What whether it be you know some argument on Twitter, whether it be a fight backstage or whatever, guys wanting to leave, guys wanting to get fired, that sort of stuff. It just seems like that's clouding so much of what's going on in in, in AEW right now, and 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 it sucks to see that. But um, you know, we talked about this a little bit, Joe, you know, Joe and I last week about 
you know, Buddy Murphy and Malachi Black and those guys clearly wanting to leave and, and Tony Khan just being like, well, I don't know, tough shit. <laughs> like, you signed a contract and I don't want to let you go. And we're seeing the same thing here with Andrade, which, you know, Dave and Brian and, and, and several other sources have said. And you can go, if you listen to the interview that he did as well, the interview that kind of started it all, he's basically alluding to the fact, in no uncertain terms, he says... No, I don't talk to Triple H, but my wife talks to Triple H for me type of thing. Like, basically implying that, yes, I would love to go back there if I could leave my AEW contract. Uh, he said that he would, you know, lay down, you know, find a way to lose the, the match with 10 uh, this week because, you know, his AEW career was on the line in that match. So he'd find a way to lose if, if that means he could get out and, and go elsewhere. And I don't know if that's a little bit of bravado or whatever, but then his actions this week seem to indicate uh, not bravado at all and that he's, you know, trying to get fired by any means necessary. And now we're in this weird dilemma thing here. I, to me, I don't see it as much of a dilemma. Like, I have a pretty easy answer to what you do here. But I've seen people say, so what do you do now with this? Like, so you have Andrade who, who, who let, let's let's go with the, everybody seems to, everybody but the TMZ account seems to indicate that Andrade was the aggressor in this situation. Punched Sammy, provoked Sammy enough to get him to punch, whatever it was. Like, everybody but TMZ seems to think that Andrade was the main antagonizer of this. People kind of alluding to the TMZ report. Eh, maybe certain people involved in this story may have sent that report to TMZ as quick as possible. Whatever it is, like everybody that I've seen reported seems to agree with the the idea that Andrade was the aggressor, started the fight, whatever. He wants to get fired. And the easy thing to do is just say, all right, dude, get out of my locker room. Go away. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. You don't want to be here. You don't have to be here. You're gone. You're fired. Leave. The problem with that, though, is that you set the precedent that if you want to get out of your multi-year contract, you just fight your coworkers. And that, I don't know if that precedent you want to set. Like, do you think that would be, if, if let, let's go with that idea, Joe. Let's go with the idea that Tony Khan woke up today and just said, you know what, dude, go to WWE then. I don't care. Get out of my life. Get out of here. Just go away. Fine. You, you, you won the war. Good. Go. Do you think that that would open up the floodgates to more people deciding, ah, because <laughs> I, I have seen that floated. Like, I don't know if it would just be all out warfare, but I do agree that it would cause a lot of people to say, aha, all I have to do is kind of be an asshole and I'll get fired and I can go and do my contract to WWE and, and leave and get out of it or whatever. Do you think that it would start that or do you think that's maybe just conjecture? I don't think you can take the chance that it would, because what if. What if Charlotte Flair called up Hangman Page and said, hey, FYI, you could get a uh, $7 million deal if you could go to WWE right now. You know, What if he goes and says, uh, yeah, I want out. Like, if you let Andrade out, why can't you let Hangman Page out if right. he's not happy? It's just, I mean, you are in a wrestling war, and that you know means you know, it's probably not great that Andrade is at a place he's not happy at, and it would be great if uh, you know he could just quit, but that's not the way it goes. You're in a wrestling, you can't have him showing up on the season premiere of SmackDown and, you know, being like, yo, who sucks AEW? Like that's, you're already fighting an uphill battle in perception that, you know, WWE is on this big upswing and, you know, you have all these kind of scandals. You can't, you can't add to that. You, you just can't. So I would, I would say, you know, I would send them home or I'll say, Hey, I'll let you go, but you can't go to WWE. You know, if you want to take your chances in CMLL or, or, you know, wherever, somewhere in Japan or anything like that, you know, impact have at it, but you know, you're, you're not going, you're not showing up on raw or SmackDown. Yeah. I, and, and I would agree that that's, that's to me, the only option that you have right now is to one of those two, like you said, you, you either send them home with pay and say, look, I'm going to pay you for the duration of your contract, your multi multiple years that you still have on your contract that we signed. Uh, but 
I don't want to see you. You don't have to come to any of my shows ever again. And I don't want to see you ever again. Like you're never going to wrestle for me ever again. You're never going to be in my locker room again. Uh, you can go sit home and, and the checks are still going to come in the mail. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're good. So, or like you said, we can work out a buyout of your, of your contract. Uh, but if that happens, like, like you said, we're in a wrestling war and there's no way that Tony Connor AEW is going to say, yeah, let's work out a buyout. And then, yeah, just pop on over to WWE whenever you want, man. Like, and it can't not even like a 90 day, no computer. Like it, it's gotta be, yeah, we'll, we'll do We'll buy you out or we'll release you or whatever. But yeah, you go, go hang around an impact, go do CMLL, go new, new Japan, go do new Japan strong. I don't care, but you're not stepping foot on raw or SmackDown or NXT ever. If we're going to let you out of this contract and that that's kind of where we're at right now. And that's what you have to do. And you have to set that precedent, not because I think that like everybody would start fighting to try to get out of their contract, but like quite literally fighting what I, what I mean there. But like there could, <laughs> like you said, there, there would be, it, it proves that insubordination will be enough to get you out of your contract. You signed, you can sign a multiple year contract with Tony Khan with AW, but then if you just act like an asshole or do something, you can get out of it whenever you want. And that that's kind of the precedent that you set by saying, okay, Andrade, um, you proved your point. You can go now. Cause yeah, it, it, then the floodgates open for just like you said, people get, people have an, an inkling that the other side would be interested in them or whatever. All they have to do is do X, Y, and Z and they can get out of this contract and that you don't want to set that precedent. Not when you're in wrestling war and not when you have contract, like a contract should kind of mean something. You know what I mean? A, a, especially in pro wrestling, especially when WWE doesn't really honor contracts that much. AEW has, for the most part, you know, I, I think really, honestly, all 100% has, has honored everybody's contracts. When the contracts are up, then, you know, those people will go and they'll not be renewed and that sort of stuff. But everybody has, has you know, nobody's been fired, quote unquote. So Andrade would be the first uh, of those people. But yeah, it, it's it's a very interesting thing that we're, we're going through right now and and you know, so much of it, so much of it is, is, you know, Paul Levesque taking back control of WWE or taking control of WWE or whatever. And these people that, you know, when they signed these multiple year deals and stuff, they were thinking, well, Vince McMahon's in charge and I'm never going to get a, a fair shake over there. I'm never going to get a chance over there. So I'm going to, you know, take the money and, and take the multiple years of security from this new company or whatever. And yeah, a lot of those people are now looking at those contracts going, ah, fuck, I want to go back with Paul and I want to go back to WWE and that sort of stuff. I want to go where my wife is or my girlfriend is or whatever. And that's totally, I get it. I absolutely get it. Like I would love, that's, I'd be, if I was in that position, I'd probably be the same way. But I mean, you signed a multiple year contract, you know, during a wrestling war, it's going to be very difficult. It can't, it, it, and I do see people saying, well, why AEW should just let him go. It's like, well, yeah, okay. But you know. It doesn't work that way. Like that's just not how it's going to work. You have a contract. You have. A, you're in a war. You're you're competing with that other company. You cannot just let people out of contracts. You can't. You can't make contracts mean nothing. They 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 have to mean something, and that applies to both ends as well. And 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 signing a contract protects the employees as well. It protects the wrestlers because they can't get fired at at a moment's notice. And Tony hasn't done that yet. He hasn't fired anybody at a moment's notice. So it has worked both ways with the contracts in AEW so far. And and uh, I don't know. It's it's. To me, I would take the whole crew, and you know who the guys are too. You know it's the Buddies and Andrades and 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 Malachi's. I would round them all up and say, guys, just go home. I'm gonna pay you for the next three years. If you get sick of sitting at home, call me and we'll work out a buyout. But I'm not letting you go to WWE. Like you said, you can go where. Knock yourself out in CMLL. Walk and knock yourself out in New Japan. Knock yourself out in Noah. I don't care. You're not going to WWE, so you can sit home and get paid, or you can. Get on the phone, and we can have our lawyers hash it out, and we can do a buyout. But you're never going to WWE, at least not while during the level, the, the the length of your contract. That's gonna you have to do that. Like if you're Tony Khan, if you're AEW, that's kind of where you're at right now. You have to do that with these guys because you just cannot set the precedent that insubordination gets you out of your contract. You just can't. 
Andrade needs to be a professional like Roosh. Yeah, I, 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 the clock is still ticking on. I like, I cannot like. Is he just so ha- like? I, I can't imagine all this drama happening around Roosh and Roosh just sitting there being like, "Ah, I'm good. <laughs> it's a nice job. This contract's pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm doing all right." Like, it feels inevitable that at some point the Roosh is going to be Roosh, but uh, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who who knows right now uh, w- with those guys? And obviously, the Bandito thing is still kind of a work in progress. Is he signed? Is he not signed? He says he has a WWE offer. He also has an AEW offer. He has not officially signed anywhere as of this, so who knows what's going on with that? But uh, it's 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 very wild times uh, here, and and you know, just it, it it's to me, I I find it kind of fun. I don't know. Do you, where where do you lay on? Because I know where Joe thinks about this, uh, Joe Lanza. Where do you fit on this? Do 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 you think this stuff is interesting and fun, or do you kind of does it wear on you a little bit, and 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 do you kind of get annoyed of all this drama and backstage and the contracts and guys trying to get out of that sort of stuff? Where, where do you stand on it? Uh, both, uh, you know, I, it, it certainly is interesting kind of the, the machinations backstage and, you know, guys have viable places to go, which wasn't the case for <laughs> really 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's good, but it, it does get a little tiresome. This is what we're discussing and not anything that, that happened on, you know, a, a pretty darn good dynamite last night. Yeah. No one's talking about Wheeler, Yuta and MJF going out there and have yep. a great opening match or whatever. We're not, I mean, it's not in my run sheet. I'm looking oh, yeah. at it. It's like, you know what I mean? Like I'm guilty of it too. Uh, so you're right. I think that's the thing is like, I, I enjoy it. Uh, I, I, I enjoy the kind of, I enjoy the health of the business, the business. Like that's the thing I think is the most important is that it's a healthy wrestling business right now. And there is competition and there is an ability in the marketplace to get, you know, your top value. And, and there's people, you know, competing for, talent which is good and, and that only is going to mean great things for the talent and, and, and money and that sort of stuff but uh, at the same time yeah it just it, it's it's just kind of annoying that it just takes over every bit of discourse uh, about the company is just oh who's leaving who's not going to leave who's got a contract who's not? like I just kind of sometimes want to end a week and just go hey you know what that dynamite was really good let's talk about the matches on that dynamite but it feels like it's been so so difficult uh, to do that as of late. So, yeah, who, who knows what the uh, future is going to hold for this. But uh, obviously, Andrade wants to get out. I, you and I are in agreement that the best method is just tell him, hey, you know, you got three years left on your contract. Well, enjoy life. Uh, you're going to get paid. There's going to be a check in the mail every single week or whatever, every couple weeks. But, uh, yeah, I don't want to see you ever again, and you're never working for my company ever again. I, I I don't know how you come back from this. I don't know how you come back from just a blatant attempt to get out of your contract by starting a fight with a fellow talent. But, uh I don't know. Maybe we'll get more details on the story and see where it goes, or or maybe, uh, shit, we haven't resolved the last fight. We're still, you know, <laughs> we don't know yeah. what happened to the elite and the CM Punk. Like, I don't think we can resolve the Andrade thing for a while either until we get resolution to, I don't know, the guys that founded the company and one of the company's most important wrestlers. So, I don't know, man. It's it's like I said, yeah, that 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 almost seems like old hat now, and it's like we haven't even we don't even know what the future of that is. So. God, it's 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 wild. I don't I don't envy Tony Khan. I'll tell you that. It seems like a pretty uh uh a very tumultuous workplace right now, but uh, uh who knows. Well, given his job and pocketbook, I I do still envy him, but perhaps uh, you're not. right. You know what? I would switch his split cuz then I just sit on my yacht and go, eh, whatever." You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, like... uh, it is funny everyone's like, "Oh my god, another backstage fight." And I was watching that uh Tales from the Territory show where Jerry Jarrett's talking about ripping out Mario Galento's eye because he tried to attack him. <laughs> and it's like, 
oh yeah and then Kalento got a razor and you know and uh jimmy valiant pulled a gun on him and it's like oh right yeah <laughs> his things are still pretty okay from an hr perspective yeah right 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 yeah it, it is it is we are again used to like a very sanitized like pro wrestling world where everyone's kind of happy with their spots and everyone's good or whatever because that's how it was with WWE. they were just happy to have a job in wrestling for so long this is really what pro wrestling is in a lot of ways. It's just it's a big of a, it's a bit of an adjustment period, especially with AEW since everything was so like kumbaya and everybody was getting along so well for so long. But uh, uh, yeah, this this is probably more what wrestling is. It's just a bunch of just egomaniacs that just can't handle interpersonal relationships whatsoever. This is kind of more what it is. But uh, I don't know. It, it's 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 a little bit of a, a little bit of B. But like you said, yeah, it's it's it's. Really, nothing like the territories, which were even worse. No. And uh, I don't know. A guy got murdered in Puerto Rico. Like, like a guy got, a guy went up to another guy and murdered him backstage. Like, that's, you know, it's a little worse than what we have here. You know, these little dust ups uh, here and there. But, uh, you know, is what it is. But uh, <laughs> that's wrestling. That's AEW. That's Sammy Guevara. That's, that's Andrade. So Sammy does seem to find himself in, uh, in these situations a lot. So do you think that Andrade knew that Sammy would do something and that's what... Because, what, like, it, I, I, have you listened to the Andrade interview or have you just seen the clips? I've seen the clips. I haven't heard the whole thing. So, like, it, it, in the clip where he's talking about, you know, he's saying, I've never had a problem with it. But it, actually, Sammy Guevara, like, he's just, you know, it's so quick. In his head, you could tell that he's noticing, wait a minute. I'll say Sammy Guevara. Like, I, do you think that that was a little bit of chess, or was he just in his head thinking, "I've never had a problem with anybody"? Wait, I have had a problem with somebody, Sammy Guevara. <laughs> like, do you think he he pulled Sammy out because he knew that that would cause shit, or do you think he just legitimately had a problem with Sammy Guevara and was like, oh, "I'll I'll air this out. Why not?" Well, Sammy has never had heat anywhere in his wrestling <laughs> no. career, though. So. <laughs> no, certainly. Not. I, I think I think we'll just say it's very likely he had a run in with Sammy, and it just was a happy coincidence. It was someone he could fight, so. Yeah, there you go. So that uh, that is uh, that is Sammy, that is Andrade, uh, and that is backstage fights in AEW. Well, you know what? Let, let's do a second where we talk. What you think of Dynamite this week? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good show. That yeah, was a good show. It was, um, you know, that uh, building in Washington that you know didn't didn't look too great, but uh, yeah, I, I thought the show up and down was uh, was good. And you know, they're on, they're on a good streak. I I don't remember the last Dynamite. I was like, yuck, you know, like what a waste of an evening. And it's it's been. Very solid for God. I, I even know the last really stinker of a of a show. Yeah, you, you get tremendous wrestling every single week on there. That's that's why I say more than anything. And and uh, Sue Williams wrote uh, his Dynamite Dozen uh, article at VoicesWrestling.com, which is you know to celebrate the third anniversary. It was all the best you know TV matches from AEW in uh, in, in you know the, the last year, and it's just like fucking absurd how many great matches they've had. And it's like I remember looking at that list, and I I, I forget there was a match that was on there that was like number eight and I was like that's number eight like good god that was like one of my favorite matches of the entire year I think it was the um uh United Empire versus uh Elite uh the, the the like and I was just like oh my god that match was fucking tremendous and I think it was like nine on his list or whatever I mean it's just it, it's an embarrassment the amount of great matches that you get every single week on uh, on, on on Dynamite and that that to me is what I I I tend to kind of focus on a little bit more than a lot of the other stuff. And and obviously there's criticisms with the show, and I get it, and there's some things that has not been perfect. It's been a little weird. Uh, it's been a little strange. But um, you, you can't argue with the, the the in-ring work, I think, has just been phenomenal. And and, and MJF and Wheeler Yuta was another you know great example of that. And, and, and even the main event finish aside, uh, I think had some really, really great wrestling in it. Uh, so they, they're still an absolutely loaded roster. It's still presenting, you know, better TV wrestling than, than really any other company ever has. But, you know, I, I do agree that there is some stuff that's a little clunky and a little weird, 
uh, in AEW right now. But but yeah, to your point, I don't think I've watched the Dynamite any time over the last like you know, God feels like six seven months, maybe a year. Where I've been like, well, that was kind of a waste of time. <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry I wasted two hours watching that. Like I never really come away with that thought ever, and that's uh, that's pretty good if you can do that. Yeah, you mentioned MJF, and I just had a, a thought come to me. Uh, I don't know. Was it reported he got like a, an increase in his his salary? I think that was the implication. I don't know if that was kind of storyline stuff, but I, I think that that is true. I, I can't I can't confirm that 100. percent But but I do believe that is true. So I don't know if that was just an increase for the remainder of his contract, or if he restructured his deal and he's locked up for you know, another five years. Cause if he's just given a raise on a contract, that seems yeah, also uh, not a good precedent. to set. No, not a good, not a good precedent to set <laughs> yeah. here, especially with wrestlers. Yeah, no, <laughs> definitely not. So, um, there you go. So yeah, it, I, I'm looking at the list right now and the match that I was thinking of was uh, death triangle versus United empire, uh, which was number 10, uh, on, on that list. And that match was just fucking phenomenal and then you had united empire versus the elite and that one was number nine as well and that was like one of my favorite matches this entire year and that was like according to suit like the ninth best you know dynam or, or the ninth best you know AEW tv match this year and i can't disagree because you know number eight was claudio and and and, and Takeshita, which was phenomenal that was a great mm. great match number seven was brian danielson and eddie kingston i mean i don't think anyone's gonna argue with that number six he had danielson and and and, and daniel garcia from a couple weeks ago great great match FTR versus the Young Bucks is number five from Dynamite. Remember that match? In I April? was there. No, oh, you were there. there yeah. Hell yeah. That was, that... that was the same night as a Yuta Moxley match at the end of Rampage. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So that was, yeah, that's great. Number four, he's got John Moxie versus Wheeler Yuta. The, the aforementioned John Moxie versus Wheeler Yuta match right there. Uh, number three, Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki, which happened in October. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Remember that? So that that is that encapsulates you know the the the, the year uh, for for AEW. Uh, number two, Hangman versus Brian Danielson, January fifth. I mean, just phenomenal, phenomenal uh, match. And then number one, Winter is coming. You know, December fifteenth, Hangman versus Brian Danielson. So um, that's pretty good for television wrestling, like free television. Getting that level, that high level of matches is pretty damn good. So. You know, for all the all the stuff going on and all the backstage and all the chaos and that sort of stuff, if you're just a viewer on television, you're you know, you're still getting treated to some really, really, really good wrestling, and you might not even know or care about any of the other stuff going on, which which is is you know, we shouldn't lose sight of that. Yeah, can we please get this on HBO Max or Discovery Plus or what the hell ever, so we can you know go back and watch these. I know at our yeah. convenience. Yeah, it is because. It, Part of me, it, it's interesting, when, when when I was editing that piece from Suit, I was thinking, oh, man, yeah, I forget this match. I'm going to go back and watch it. And then part of me was like, right, I can't. Like, I just think, I, I think in the brain that I have that I can just go and re, like, because most other wrestling, I can't. I could just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go find it. And I can find it via nefarious means or whatever. But the first instinct I had was like, oh, I'll go to, wait a minute, AEW doesn't have anything yet. They don't have a streaming service. There's no way for me to easily go back and rewatch this match or watch this thing or whatever. And that that's... That is interesting. It, it it's very strange that we're still, you know, now two years into this company, and there doesn't seem to be and doesn't seem to be any movement on that happening anytime soon either. I'm sure something will come one day. It'll just come, and we'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Of course, they they'd be there on HBO Max or whatever it's going to be. You know, whoever they sign with, you know, with their next TV deal or whatnot. But yeah, it is it is still kind of weird that all these years in, and you know, we're starting our, our third year, and it's just like, yeah, you can't really easily and legally go back and rewatch a lot of this stuff, which is kind of strange. Oh, I'm sure something will happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, 
Um, all right, let's get to uh, WWE Extreme Rules. It is not a horror show. It is just normally WWE Extreme Rules. But, Joe, before we do that, and I know you know all about this because you do these reads on the five-star match game as well, which is at the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We will plug away a uh, five-star match game here in a little bit. But you know this, so I'm telling the listeners, because I know you know this, because with HelloFresh, you can get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and Joe affordable. That is why they are America's number one meal kit. Subscribe to HelloFresh and check save money off of your fall to-do list. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout and less expensive than grocery shopping too. It's time to cozy up and save money by cooking at home. Fall is the perfect time to experience the delicious taste and unparalleled convenience of HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days so you know they're fresh. Uh, fresh. Plus, pre-portioned ingredients make home cooking a snap and cut down on food waste as well. Have your pumpkin spice and eat it too with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market. From brunch kits to fall dessert boards, you'll find everything you need for all of your favorite autumn occasions, whether it's tailgating, Oktoberfests, Halloween parties, and more. Pack schedule. Uh, HelloFresh's quick and easy meals like their 20-minute recipes or low-prep and easy cleanup options mean you'll spend less time in the kitchen and more time with your loved ones. All right, here's the big thing right here. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW65. HelloFresh.com slash VOW65 and use the promo code VOW65 to get 65% off plus free shipping on your HelloFresh box. Again, HelloFresh.com slash VOW65. Use that promo code VOW65 to get 65% off plus free shipping. One more time, HelloFresh.com slash VOW65 and use that promo code VOW65 to get 65% off plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, extreme rules, Joe. How excited on, on, a, on, a, on a scale of zero to five? How excited are you for WWE Extreme Rules? I can only go to five. That's not very extreme. Um, <laughs> That's true. Go to whatever number you want. It's extreme. There's no rules. Rich, how many uh, how many Extreme Rules events do you think there have been? How? Oh man, is this a five uh, an impromptu five star <laughs> match game? It could be. Yeah, uh, Joe, I'm gonna say there have been. Six extreme rules. Oh, close. This is 14th. 14? The 14th edition. Yes. No. Yes. CM Punk and Jeff Hardy was uh, the first uh, event. Time is. Oh, God. Really? Was that what? 2007 then? Uh, Eight. I think so. I, something like that. <laughs> I thought you knew. I don't know. Master. Come on. I just knew it was 14. I'm not doing math. It's late. I'm not doing math. <laughs> right. There you go. Wow, I did not realize there were that many extreme rules. So there you go. Uh, this is not a horror show, uh, unfortunately. We had uh, that was just the 2020 version, right? Was the horror show at Extreme Rules? I don't think they brought that back for any. Was that last year? I don't remember. No, that was that was a uh, full pandemic. So that was um, <laughs> 20, uh, 2020, Yeah, it was a very uncomfortable moment where you're like, "Why is this show called the horror?" It's like everybody in the WWE Performance Center <laughs> in the midst of like raging COVID. It was in July, I think, because that's when they were doing, uh, it, it's still in July, so you're still in, like, pretty peak COVID, and it's just like, yeah, we're going to have this wrestling show, and we're going to call it the, the horror show at Extreme Rules, so uh, 
Isn't that the one where Seth Rollins barfed? Because he tore <laughs> out Rey Mysterio's eyeball. Oh, ooh, I can't get I that. I think you're down, right. Yeah. Was that the? Eye- it was the eyeball match. Eye for an yep. eye. Eye for an eye. Seth Rollins. Uh, it also had the swamp fight. Swamp fight. Has that been alluded to? Boy, do I have good news for you, Rich. White Rabbit. Yeah, he's coming back, baby. This match can happen again. So, Ugh. yeah, that was <laughs> what, what a night that was. <laughs> It was certainly a night. Yeah, that is uh, that was the horror show at Extreme Rules. Well, things got a little bit uh, better. Uh, Extreme Rules 2021. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. That's when the Roman Reigns versus the Demon match happened, uh, where the Demon fell off the ropes. And that's how they ended the match, which uh, did not get over well with the oh, uh, the folks God, in the Nationwide right. Arena in Columbus, Ohio. They were not. Oh, he's flopping like a fish. I could. Oh, Jesus Christ. I remember that now. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All these things can happen again, though, because... Oh, <laughs> Rich, they did the smart thing. They don't have a main event this year, so yes. you can't have a shitty main event if you don't have a main event. B.A. on the Extreme Rules uh, main event here. But uh, we do have a lot of uh, uh, stipulations here. So we'll start off with, uh, Joe, a good old-fashioned Donnybrook match. And first off, what is your favorite good old-fashioned Donnybrook match? Only one, maybe if you have two at the very most. Um, favorite good old-fashioned Donnybrook. Oh, boy, I'm drawing a blank. I... Did all my research on Anoki. I don't remember any. Uh, oh, is that what they called the William Regal uh, Fit Finley matches in WCW? Were they Donnybrook matches? Oh, oh, no, I don't they, know they, if they, they were. Just... Let me. Let me. I I'm going to do so. a cage match search for Donnybrook and see. Because <laughs> while I did, I did present you with that. Uh, I do. I myself do not know if there has been a Donnybrook match before. So let us see if there has been a Donnybrook match. I had a, I'm going to go back to 1887 just in case I'm catching. Mm. Uh, uh oh, does not. Well, no, does not look yeah. like there has been a Donny Brook match uh, before. I do. Uh, I do want to note that when I was in Ireland, uh, Alan, you know, you're very familiar with Alan. We've done Christmas shows. You've done many shows over the years with Alan. Uh, he's one of the nicest human beings on earth. Uh, we were driving by uh, the neighborhood of Donny Brook, and he goes, "There's Donny Brook." As you could see, not that <laughs> it was like a perfectly normal area here. And he's like, you know, that's that's. People, you know, use that term for like a rough and tumble fight or whatever. But I don't know. Like to me, I just I never really thought of it as like a neighborhood where fights happen. I just always thought of Donnie Brook as like the term for like a rough and tumble area or a fight or something like that. So I don't know. I hadn't given no thought to the the word origin of Donnie Brook, I have <laughs> right, to say. Okay. I thought this was gonna be about the ferryman again. And, no, uh, no, no, no more kind of ferryman Okay. But uh, yeah, there there I looked up Donnie Brook on, on the dictionary. It says a brawl or a fracas. And that's yeah, that's always what I thought of. Donnybrook was a fracas like that. That just uh, yeah. that works for me. So we have a good old fashioned Donnybrook match here. Uh, presumably the first ever good old fashioned Donnybrook. Uh, the brawling brutes, Seamus, Ridge Holland and Butch versus Imperium, Gunther, Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. Uh, this I mean, for all the funny Donnybrook, all that sort of stuff. I mean, there's no reason this match doesn't rock, right? No, I, uh, everyone's very good. And uh they're weirdly doing uh, the Gunther Sheamus rematch on SmackDown. I'm probably not. I mean, it's probably not that weird. It is the season premiere, but uh, and uh, you know, TV is the driving force of pretty much everything, so it's not too surprising. But you'll get a good, you know, you you would normally think those situations would be reversed and it would lead to the singles match, but uh, no, I think uh, these two factions have had some uh, some good stuff the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I do expect good things from this. Yeah, should, should be pretty awesome uh, here. An I Quit match, which <laughs> Joe, I'm not looking forward to. Uh, Edge versus Finn Balor. The big question, Joe, will Edge go to that place? Has he been <laughs> taken to that place yet? 
Is he nearing going to that place? Did he go to that place on Monday? All the questions we're all asking. Boy, I can't wait to discuss his Hall of Fame candidacy <laughs> in a couple weeks. No, he, he went out and said there's nothing physical that can be done to him to make him say I quit, which means, uh, I don't know, Punishment Martinez will, will, I don't know, kidnap Beth or something, and he'll be forced to say I quit in a, a lame ending. So, yeah, not, I've, I've not expecting people, great things out of this. Yeah, I've seen some people say that they've done the stuff with Beth, and now it's time to start doing stuff with his children. I'm like, oh, oh good. I don't want to see that. <laughs> like, we don't need Dominic and Punishment Martinez, like, kidnapping a child. and like, <laughs> We don't need that. Like, nobody wants that. But uh, we might get that. Yeah, that might be what ends up happening. So we'll see. Uh, what ends up happening there with the I quit match. But, it, you know, as it stands, like, I really do not like I quit matches at all. So I'm not looking no. forward to this uh, whatsoever. Um, uh, especially, I forget how, how does, do you remember how, mod, how does modern WWE do I quit matches? Do they still, like, stick a microphone in a guy's mouth and be like, well, what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> no. <laughs> they do quickly you know what I mean? ask him, ref. <laughs> right, uh, right. I I, believe, I don't even remember the last I quit match. Yeah, I can't the, remember what in, they do the either. Beds, but yeah. though, probably it's still that. Yeah, because those those one, oh God, one of my the fucking Bob Backlund Bret Hart match is just ingrained in my head of like Bob Backlund doing like an arm drag and then like an arm ringer and Roddy Piper be like, "What do you say, Brett? What do you say?" <laughs> it's like no, <laughs> and you can tell Brett as it's going on, it's just like, "Shut up, no, <laughs> you know I'm not giving up right now. Just calm down, Roddy." And like yeah. it was just so annoying. God, it was like 20 minutes of. Of Roddy Piper screaming, "What do you? What do you? What do you say? What do you say?" <laughs> just you know, no. <laughs> if I gave you an over under of twenty three minutes on this match, what would you take? Uh, I ooh, I think I take the over. Yeah, I think I think There's we're not a lot of matches on this show, so I no. take the over. <laughs> Which is a frightening thought as how quickly I said the over and how easily you agreed uh-huh. that the over would happen too. So uh, we do have a uh, a match that I I. I I don't know. I, I think it's going to be good, and I think I'm excited for it, but I also am, 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 am kind of cautious about it, is the WWE Raw Women's Championship match here, a ladder match between Bianca Belair uh, and Bayley, which has all the potential to be great, like all the potential to be very, very good. It's two tremendously talented wrestlers. Uh, Bianca Belair in what I think is her first ladder match. Well, they've said it's the first singles women's ladder match ever. I, I think Bianca, I forget if she was ever in an uh, any other well, she's probably been in a money in the bank or something like that. But um the big spotlight for Bianca, obviously being in the you know, a singles ladder match here. Uh, and a huge spot for Bailey as well. And, and and Bailey can deliver, and we know you know she's a great wrestler, but I can't help but be a little worried about Bailey, who just returned after a year away from major, major, major knee surgery. Like, is a ladder match what we need to be putting her in right now? I, I don't know if that's the direction I would go with this match. No, you could easily get your leg caught up in a ladder while you're climbing. It's, I mean, there's a million other stipulations you can do. It's not like we haven't seen a billion other ladder matches this year, and it's not like there's one in two weeks on you know NXT special. I think we could have survived without it, but I do think it will be very good if everything goes according to plan. And I might close with this match. You know, if it's, I, I don't really know what's going to close. This seems as good a choice as any. It's his the first women's singles title ladder singles ladder match or whatever even though there's been money in the banks and uh, a TLC match I remember with uh, Kyrie Sane almost got murdered by Charlotte Flair in oh, that one right. so yeah 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 but uh you know it, I assume Bianca will win it'll be a nice way to close the show so that's what uh that's what I think so uh yeah no I, this is uh probably one of my more anticipated matches on the show I'm with you I think this should this should close I think 
both have deserved it. They, it's been a focal point of the build as well. You know, watching the, the stuff, the damage control uh, has been you know promoted as as a big time deal. They were in, you know obviously part of it was in the main event or you know that that, that unit was in the main event of Raw or whatever. I, I say go for it. Why not? You know, you don't really have and there's not really like a, an obvious. Oh yeah, that's going to be the main event of this Extreme Rules show. So I would just go with that one. I, I think that's probably the move that I would do. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing here. Uh, just hopefully they don't main event with this match. I'll tell you that. A strap match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. I have negative, cannot possibly consider being excited about this match. Uh, Joe, how about you? Are you, you're all in, right? I, I, I want to bet if the match will uh, be in color or not. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Right? If only my bookie was still taking these bets. Uh, yeah, I could do that. Little... Yeah, this is this is a big moment for Karrion Cross because if he poops the bed here, then uh, oh boy, I don't know about that. It's you know, it's, I think the build has largely been good, fireballs notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah, the fireballs haven't been great, but <laughs> but uh, no, Drew is a uh, pro's pro and he always works hard, so I think this will be decent at least. And you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of the step, but um. I'm sure it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, do do you think we have to do the classic? We got to go four all four corners, right? It's got to be a classic strap, right? You can't oh, just be God, you can't just hit each other with the strap. You got to go one up, oh, then the heel hit it behind you. Two up, oh, then the heel hit it behind you. You know the classic. You know uh, the who did it? And they also slapped yeah, the turnbuckles. Yeah. And they had like lights and I think like a, a scoreboard. Was it? I think it was Cena and Rusev one year. Was that like a Russian? strap match or oh, something I maybe yeah 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 I think you're right bad. <laughs> bad 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 so uh let's hope it doesn't go in that direction but uh who, who knows <laughs> what it's gonna go uh here is a potential main event for you as well a fight pit match the return of the fight pitch Un uh, Uncle Paul is back and he is bringing back the fight pit baby it is Matt Riddle versus Seth freaking Rollins and your special guest referee Daniel Cormier UFC star Daniel Cormier. So uh, I don't know. I, I It's Fight Pit, and I love the first Fight Pit. I think Riddle and Rollins are both pretty good. I think this should be interesting, but I, there's there's a limit on where I get excited about Seth these days, so I don't know where it's going to be, and the Riddle's a little too over the top. But once the bell rings, these guys are pretty damn good. So I, I think this has the potential to be good, and I think this is the other match that I look at and say, oh, yeah, you can main event with this and, and, and be justified in doing that. Yeah, I, I I hope Riddle wins because Seth has uh, <laughs> beat him last time and and brought up his <laughs> no longer having a family, which uh, again more children <laughs> getting involved, which is uh, quite excellent. So you know, hopefully, just for basic wrestling, the baby face would finally <laughs> vanquish the heel. Although Seth is getting a title shot on Monday against Bobby Lashley, so who knows? Yeah, and it is. It would know. be weird if he lost and then won the title, but that's how they do things sometimes. That so is. we shall see. Very, very similar to uh, how they do that. Uh, we have people in the note of chat room saying Cena and JBL had the uh, score clock. That, that, I feel like Umaga, but maybe that was a flag match that they had, right? Mm. I don't, maybe they never had a strap. They probably did. Who knows? Who cares? Again, like, who could possibly <laughs> remember any of this stuff? But uh, then our final match of Extreme Rules. Yes, that is it, as far as I know. I mean, I don't know if on SmackDown they're about to announce a bunch of other matches, but so far we have the good old fashioned Donnybrook, the Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. I quit Edge versus Finn Balor. Ladder match for the Raw Women's title, Bianca Belair, Bailey. Strat match, Drew McIntyre, Karrion Cross, Riddle and Rollins in the fight pit match. And then the final match that we're going to announce here, Extreme Rules, WWE SmackDown Women's title, Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. 
Joe, you, you mentioned my bookie earlier. If my bookie was taking odds, I think I would bet the house on Ronda Rousey defeating uh, Liv Morgan here. What say you? Yeah, I, I don't see Liv beating Ronda three straight times. You know, Star even, making performance. Yeah, I, I don't see um I I think Ronda. I, I I think this will go pretty quick too. I don't think you main event. I don't think they're gonna have this go like fifteen to twenty minutes. Oh so. no 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 no! I don't think I don't think Ronda does that <laughs> like anymore. I no, she's yeah, she's been pretty clear, and I I don't think that. I mean, her matches have not gone like that so far, and and I don't uh, I don't see any reason why uh, that that would happen here. So yeah, I think this is gonna be quick. I think Ronda probably beats her pretty fast and and, and pretty definitively. So. Is Liv crying when she comes out? Um. Ooh. Yeah. Well, she's definitely be crying when it's over. I can tell you that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know about on the way to the ring. She might just be angry. You might get like boo boo lips instead mm-hmm. of of cry. But maybe she's gonna cry because she's she knows this will be her her last time coming to the ring as SmackDown Women's Champion. But uh, yeah, I I am uh, I would not bet on on her uh, retaining this title whatsoever. I think that's uh, yeah. I, I don't. Uh, Oh, I uh, did for her on this one, so. I could say I did find Cena and Rusev had a Russian chain match at Extreme Rules 2015. There you go. You see, you knew. You knew that there I was something here. There was Bridget, something. it was the All-State Arena. Surely you were there. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's about when I just, oh, man. No, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. What else was on that show? I may have been there. Uh, Seth first defeats Randy Orton in the main event, a steel cage match. Roman Reigns in the big show, last man standing. Why do I not remember the show? Uh, Dean Ambrose defeats Luke Harper, Chicago Street Fight. Okay, Cage Match says I went 55 minutes and 45 seconds. What? I'm guessing that's a typo. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at this now. Uh, Yeah, Dean Ambrose, Luke Harper, 53 minutes and 10. Yeah, I don't... um, I don't... Did they, like, fight out and then, like, it it was... Oh, maybe. Like, they fought outside and they're like, we'll get back to them in a bit. And then they came back and it had to be That's probably it. I have... Okay, (laughs) <laughs> okay, Joe, I am reading this here. Uh, the first match was the Chicago Street Fight between Dean Ambrose and Luke Harper. After both of them brawled through the backstage area, Harper got into a car and was followed by Ambrose, and the two drove out of the arena. Due to the Street Fight stipulation, meaning no countouts, the match was deemed to be continuing as the event progressed. So there you go. Uh, while the new Dean Ambrose being interviewed, <laughs> both Ambrose and Harper pulled up in the car they had left in earlier, continuing their Street Fight match as they made their way back to the ring Ambrose would eventually win the match via pinfall after executing dirty deeds on Harper. So, mm, cool. <laughs> <laughs> sounds. Uh, I was not here. Yeah, I don't know why I wasn't oh. there. I was doing something else. So I don't know what I was doing. So uh, April 26, 2015. I don't know. I don't remember. But I say I was. Maybe I was getting married, but no, it was next year. I don't know. <laughs> I hope you remember that day. <laughs> no, I remember that day. <laughs> this is not that date. So that's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I was doing. Anyway, that was Extreme Rules 2015, and that is our preview of Extreme Rules 2022. So, uh, yeah, as you can tell, we are uh, very, very excited for this show, which uh, um, it's on a Saturday, by the way. It's on a Saturday, not on a Sunday. So just just make a note of that. It is on a Saturday. So cancel your Saturday plans. Whatever you're going to do Saturday, uh, you're not doing it anymore because you are going to watch the strat match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross instead on Saturday. So, uh, yeah. Okay, show. I mean, there's some stuff to like on it, but there's, uh, there. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. This is now. Is this technically this would be the first kind of major pay per view under the Paul Levesque era, right? I would say so because they said SummerSlam and I guess Clash of the Castle were still kind of Vince plans. 
Yeah, and it came Clash up. Is weird. This is yeah. really yeah, Clash is a strange one. Yeah, so I mean, this should be like a two and a half hour show, but it's going to go like three hours and fifteen minutes, and we'll all just be exhausted at yeah, the end of it. Right. So thank God there, and the premium live events are pretty much on Saturdays now, which is okay by me because uh, I can uh, sleep in on Sunday and not uh, stumble through work because I, I was up late watching, um, you know, the Fiend come back and. <laughs> Send Wade Barrett to hell or something. Yeah, it it is. I'm very conflicted about that because, in one sense, that I love it a lot more. That like my son, my you know, Sunday night, I'm not sitting there at like you said at like 11:30 or whatever. I'm like, oh my god, come on, I gotta go to work. Like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, and then you're so you're pot committed. You're like, well, I'm already here. I'm not gonna leave now. It's you know, it's fine. I'll, but yeah, it's like you know, especially if you have people over, which I mean, I wouldn't recommend on most WWE pay per views to have people over. What? But like, I would have people over for Royal Rumbles or whatever. And the last year Royal Rumble, it was going until like eleven, and people are like, "All right, dude, when do we get to go home?" And I'm like, "I don't know, soon, hopefully." Like, I promise. But then on the flip side is like, do I want my Saturday to be the whole day? I'm thinking about Extreme Rules and when I'm going to watch it. Like, I feel like I'm more likely to watch it on a Sunday begrudgingly than I am on a Saturday. If that makes sense. Rich, you can fit your apple picking in it. <laughs> <laughs> I do those on Sundays. <laughs> See, there you go. You're all set now. The Sunday, the Sunday pay-per-views are perfect because I would apple pick during the, the day and then come home and slap my hands and go, all right, baby, it is time for a uh, hot action in this premium live event. But uh, no, I, I don't know. I, I I think I prefer the Sundays, but I I, def- I definitely see the benefits of, of being able to watch it and then, you know, the other benefit too is if you can't watch it live, like you can wake up Sunday morning and, and, and watch it and not be spoiled and, and be able to watch before, you know, you have to do anything else on a Sunday. So uh, there's, there's, there's benefits to both for sure. So I don't know exactly where I lie. I think I, I side more with the Sunday pay-per-views, but, but I can definitely see uh, the benefit of the, uh, the Saturdays, but uh, all right, let's get to a uh, final few topics here uh, for you, Joe, until we move on with our, uh, our next guest, uh, Scott, uh, new Japan declaration of power coming up this weekend as well. New Japan world. I uh, can stream this live. Uh, main event is a very important one, very big one here. Uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Title Match: Jay White versus Tama Tonga in the main event uh, of this show. Um, yeah, what do you think of that? It's a big time spot for Tama Tonga, the biggest spot he's obviously uh, ever been in, and, and and Jay White obviously defending the title against him. You know, kind of the Bullet Club fracturing thing. Uh, a big time, you know, a, a, a two you know non Japanese guys wrestling in the main event of Sumo Hall, which I think that they mentioned had never been done before. Uh, in, in New Japan or any other companies, so that that's kind of cool. But what do you what do you think of Tomatong in this big spot here? Yeah, I think it, I think it's well earned. I really like their match in the G One. I think this is going to be hurt because I don't think anyone's really realistically giving Tama a, a shot at winning the belt. So that that might make it a little tough. Right there with the G One, you know, it could have gone either way. That certainly added some some intrigue. That's not the case here, but I do think it'll be good. And I hope it does well because he's you know he was a guy I was largely done with. A, a while back, but he's really improved and gotten better, and he's really earned the spot. Yeah, that I, I, I'm with you. Like I, I never, ever, ever thought that Tomatonga would be in this spot again, and that I would be like genuinely excited about it and, and interested in watching him because there was just so many years. It felt like you know six or seven years. Where we're like, all right, dude, and then like honestly, the last couple of years is like go away, like just I go away heat for me with with. with um, Girls of Destiny, and especially him, I was just like, dude, I, I'm done. I'm over it. And this turn has really rejuvenated him, and he and he's been great. I mean, he's been good. The crowd is obviously attached to him in, in a lot of ways. The crowd 
you know, really, really, I mean, he, he is a guy that came up through their dojo, came up through that stuff, and they haven't forgotten about that. And now that he's back on their side or whatever, they're all in on him. And it's made for some really, really, really fun moments. It's really, really cool matches. And, and yeah, I'm just, I'm blown away by how much I've enjoyed Tamatonga in this face turn uh, to, to a point I never thought I would ever be this excited about him uh, ever again. So it's really, really cool. Uh, but like you said, there's a little bit of a limited, you know, interest in this match because it's going to go like, you know, 35 minutes and there will be a lot of, you know, cool stuff. But nobody, I mean, nobody is betting on Tomatonga to win this thing. There's just no, I mean, what what percent chance would you give that Tomatonga actually wins this thing? Like, I, I'd put it at, I don't want to say zero, but I'd put it at like 1%. I mean, it just seems unfathomable to me that Tomatonga wins this match. Yeah, I'd say uh, maybe like five percent. Stranger things have happened, but yeah, I like can't they just really wake think up and they're like, you know what? <laughs> or Jay White gave his notice or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, I'm out of here. You know, he gets hurt during the match, and there's no choice but for Tomatonga to cover him to to win the match. Like that, those are possibilities. But uh, yeah, it, it feels like anything more than five percent just seems like completely unlikely, which is going to take away a little bit uh, from this match, obviously. Uh, and then you have uh, the, the semi-main event. Uh, you mentioned this. You alluded to this match a little bit earlier. Okada versus Jonah. And now this is a really, really interesting match that I think can go a lot of different ways. Uh, your first instinct is to say, well, yeah, there's no way Jonah's going to win this thing. Okada's got to win this. Uh, but you brought up the, the vader Noki match. I mean, this would be a great time to kind of just do that again and have Jonah get the big-time upset and, and, and beat Okada and kind of set him up for whatever you're going to do with him for as ever, however long you have him for, which I guess... We can talk about, uh, you know, after the match, uh, after we kind of preview this match. But uh, as far as Okada and, and, and Jonah, I mean, I, I'm really, really looking forward to this match. It's a bit of a styles clash, but I think uh, in all the right ways, uh, it, it should be a lot of fun. Well, this is not for the briefcase, right? Because Okada is just like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, so. yeah, 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 right. He's like, yeah, that's so that, that, that's that just open it up. And yeah. I agree with him there. So that's... Yeah, if this was for the briefcase, I think it'd be a foregone conclusion. I still think Okada wins because... You want that momentum, but that does put a little seed of doubt that maybe maybe they'll go all the way with Jonah, maybe to entice him to stay, because who knows? Maybe he'll start a fight backstage to try to get out of whatever deal he has. <laughs> yeah, and then that's that's the only thing that I bring up is that like if you knew that Jonah was in for the long haul, like a great idea is to have him beat Okada, like beat him in a couple minutes, like set him up as like, oh my god, this guy like similar to what they you know they've done, you know, in the past years they did with Balak Fale before by the you know he became what he is now, which is pretty much unusable on any level whatsoever. But like, you know, five, six, seven years ago, Battle of Father would have like a yearly upset of Okada and that would kind of set him up and set him ready down the path for, you know, the next five or six months or whatever is, oh my God, he, you know, here's Battle of Father and he beat Okada, yada, yada. You could do that with Jonah and, and you could set him up for a while uh, with with a big win here and he wins in a couple minutes and, and he wins in dominating fashion. But the caveat there is, is this, does he want to stay here? Does he want to go back to WWE? Does he want to go back uh, with Paul Levesque. I mean, there's obviously been, you know, discussions about that, that, that he, you know, probably wouldn't mind, you know, that opportunity being, you know, uh, presented to him. So I don't know that, that, that makes it interesting. I think you, you would have to kind of, I don't know how you do it, but you got to get him in a room and just be like, Hey, are you with us or against us? Because this is a, a big decision we can do here. And if you, if you want to be with us, we'll do this and you can beat Okada and then we can set you up and have a really, really good run here. But you know, if you're not here for the long haul, if you're just kind of looking out, you know, for the next time to, to bounce, then, uh, maybe Okada, you know, have a good back and forth match between the two, but then Okada just, you know, hits him with the Rainmaker and it's over. So, yes, yeah, I don't, I don't know, uh, I don't know where his, um, you know, he does seem like a, a Triple H guy, so maybe, but I, you know, there's only so much room on the even the WWE roster. So, I, you know, I hope he sticks around. I, I've liked him in New Japan. I think they used him well, but we shall see. 
Yeah, I, I hope he does remember too. I mean, they they left him in a very very bad spot for a while yeah. too. Like, I mean, he essentially was kind of he moved over there. His family had moved there, yada yada yada. And then you know he he gets fired and he's gotten doesn't have a visa. That I mean, they they put him in a really bad spot. So hopefully he does. You know, if anything, if he's going to go back, at least have some sort of. Um, um, agreement or whatever that like hey look like you can't just fire me out of blue anymore like if, if i'm gonna do this and drop everything again for you guys like you kind of have to stick with me and and, and we gotta you know stay in my house and stay in the country you gotta, you know, that sort of stuff uh is gonna be pretty important to do but uh anyway next match uh enjoy definitely need your thoughts on this one new japan king of pro wrestling title match here a who's your daddy match and similar to the good old-fashioned donnybrook uh, what's your favorite use your dad? Who's your daddy match? Oh, too many to too many to ponder right there. I think uh, maybe a Billy Robinson versus no, I, I don't know. <laughs> Carl Gotch, yeah, the Carl Gotch. Yeah, matches, I remember right? that. Yeah, he had he had several who's your daddy matches that really just yeah uh, uh, indelible left indelible marks on on the the, the hearts and minds uh, of pro wrestling fans. So um, <laughs> I guess this is similar to an I Quit match. As far as I know, the stipulation is. You have to lose the contest when you get on the microphone and declare that the other man is your daddy. Am I interpreting that right? I thought it was whoever lost the match had to admit that. I had to afterwards admit that you're my daddy. Okay. All right. So it's a straight wrestling match, but then somebody has to say you're my daddy afterwards. I think so, but I'm sure someone will uh, will correct us if uh, we are mistaken. I mean, okay. We strip all that away. It's El Phantasmo versus Shingo Takaki, which sounds awesome. Like, it sounds really, really cool. I would prefer it be a wrestling match, and then when it's over, El Phantasmo just has to say, like, you're my daddy or whatever. I would hate the idea that, like, they have to go on the mic. Like, I'm envi- – again, I have – I quit thoughts. I Like, I, I'm imagining Shingo Takagi being like, say it, say it. <laughs> you know I mean? like, <laughs> sticking the mic in El Phantasmo's face, and El Phantasmo would be like, never, which would be terrible, and I don't want that to happen at all. So I hope it's just a wrestling match, and then when it's over – the guy has to say you're you're my daddy, but I guess uh, I guess we'll find out on a, a, a declaration of power. So, Rich remains a master impressionist. You have like I swear to God, you have like twenty good <laughs> wrestling. You just even is just uh, chef's kiss right there. Thank you, thank you. I've I've, I've unfortunately anyway. worked on that one for a while. I don't know why, and I'm a, I was a very sad child. So that's that's the things I did uh, in my free time. So between all the parties and and women and stuff, oh sure. Is, Book EWR on my computer and do Jesse Ventura impressions in front of a mirror to nobody. Uh, anyway, <laughs> let's let me go cry. Uh, Taiji Ishimori versus Kushida. But oh, Rich, I have title. to. You know, I have to correct you. Breaking news: Kushida currently still recovering from oh, illness. No. Will not be God cleared to compete at Declaration of Power Monday. Oh. This hand change will be made disease. to the card at a later date. Yes. Oh no! All right. Well, has Taiji been put in a new spot, or is this match just off? Uh, to be determined. We shall. Uh, we shall see. That fucking hand with hand, mouth, and foot disease, or whatever. Yeah, Damn. that guy's cursed. Yeah. Good God, he's. This is like a month now. This is a bad infection. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well. God. Oh, I hope it gets better. Better soon. This is. Uh, it's rough. All right. Well, there's that. So. All right. Uh, next, Lij Pushi, Hiromu Sonata and Naito uh, versus United Empire Hanari, Akira, TJP, Will Osprey. Yep, should, should be good. Yeah, I mean, those are a lot of great wrestlers. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> in a great wrestling match. Yeah, I don't know how else to really. Uh, yeah, it, it seems like it has all the makings to be pretty damn good. So, uh, we'll see what's happening. Uh, Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi versus Great Okan and Jeff Cobb. I am all in on this match. I cannot wait to see this match. 
Yes, uh, it's listed as a special tag match on a Pure Love listing. I feel like I've seen this match like 50 times, so I don't know what's special about it, but it should be should be uniformly excellent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Dakota Jones brings up a good point in the note of chat. He said, were any of the Ray versus Eddie matches a Who's Your Daddy match? Uh, they, they, I don't think they officially were. They were for the, uh, the I forget, the graphic, what did the graphics say, or the announcer, for that ladder match, for the possession, it was it wasn't the possession. Yeah, it was it more like who's possess- his daddy than uh, who's your daddy. Yeah, I, I forget what the oh man, what was the, the custody of Dominic? Right, it was That's the right, custody yes. of Dominic match. <laughs> With Dominic's face, it's like I, it's, it's, <laughs> oh, like, I couldn't remember what the wording was, but you know the graphic, right? You know exactly. I do. Yes, it's I like know green. That face. Dominic says Eminem haircut is bleach blonde hair. <laughs> He's like looking down. <laughs> it's so so ridiculous. Wrestling is the dumbest thing ever. Now Dominic's wrestling all the time. Oh God, custody of Dominic match. So not not officially a who's your daddy match. That was a, a no. custody of Dominic match. So uh, six or nine, Master Wato and Rusuke Taguchi. They're teaming with Hikuleo and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Hikuleo now obviously turned on the Bullet Club. Now officially a member of the uh, the New Japan Army here versus the House of Torture. Dick Togo, Evil Show, and Yujiro Takahashi. Good God. That's... I think Dick Togo is going to be uh, you know, choke slam from Hikaleo there. <laughs> He's going to be so... staring at the lights after that one? Yep. So... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you're probably right there. Uh, Dangerous Techers back. Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. versus TMDK. Bad Dude Tito and Shane Haste. Yeah, Bad Dude Tito. New Japan <laughs> regular. Who would have ever, thought? like, if four years ago you were watching, you know, championship wrestling from Hollywood, and I said, that guy right there, Joe. That guy is going to be a New Japan regular in 2022. I mean, what would you you'd be like? Get out of here. No, that guy, Bad Dude Tito. And I, yes, that guy would be a regular on New Japan television. Him and uh, Gideon Gray are the uh, unlikely all-stars here. <laughs> right. New Japan Pro yeah, Wrestling. so wild. But uh, he's been great. Yeah, he's been really fun. And and, and uh, yeah, I'm interested to see that match. Uh, and the final match here, David Finley and Ren Narita. Uh, David Finley, Ren Narita, and Robbie Eagles versus Duki, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru from the Suzuki Goon. So. Yeah, it's Red Narita triumphant homecoming match. So that's a oh, that's lot right. of pressure. Yeah, on yeah, him. yeah. He is, he is back. All right. Well, hopefully he can beat uh, Duke, Dukey at least. Yeah, I, I would hope that on his return. But that would kind of suck for David Finley to be like, all right, man. Hey, <laughs> I just, well, I just nearly fought for a title in the main event. But hey, Red Narita, good, good dude, good job, man. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see the fonts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what. Da- I'll be honest. I don't know what David Finley sounds like. So, um, but put her here, pal. <laughs> that's what the best idea. But. Uh, Anyway, so that is a New Japan Declaration of Power. Um, you as well wanted to talk about some other Japanese topics before we bid adieu to you in the next you know, 10 minutes or so. So uh, what uh, what else uh, have you watched in Japan? What else did you want to talk about? I'm, I'm, I'm down. The floor is yours, Joe. Yeah, just a, a note about today. Dragon Gate ran uh, Karkin Hall. And they had a deal where it was uh, Natural Vibes and um, Zebrats did a deal where they had four members from each team. It was... Uh, let me see. Hyo, Kai, BB Hulk, and uh, Diamante. And then it was uh, Jackie Funky Kame, KZ, Big Boss Shimizu, and um, UT. And they each drew envelopes. And that led to uh, whoever matched up, they would have singles matches. So it was four singles matches in a row, which is pretty rare for Dragon Gate. And they had, uh, I'm trying to think, the first match had a five-minute time limit. Then it was 10, 15, and 20. So you got four singles matches in a row. It was a really good deal. I won't spoil anything. I know four singles matches is kind of weird, but it did come down. There was a decisive uh, winner between the sides. I'll just say that. And, uh, you know, that was a, a solid deal. And they're building towards um, 
the next big show. And uh, I mentioned All Japan 2 ran Corken Hall, I think, on Monday. That had a really good... It was Yuji Nagata and young guys against Kento Miyahara and uh, younger crew. And, you know, when you get those young lions together and, you know, they're all fired up and beating on each other. That was a really fun match. And that was actually headlined by a junior title match, which is pretty rare for All Japan. And uh, it was... Uh, who was it? Rising Hayato and uh, Aoyagi, I believe. Oh, and they had fun. a... Uh, Pretty darn good little match there, so definitely check those out. And I think the the uh, it's only like six bucks for all Japan right now. The yen is uh, uh, the dollar is looking pretty good against the yen, so it might be you know if you haven't tried one of these streaming services from Japan, it might be the time for it because you get some good bang for your buck right now. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying. I, I've been watching obviously a lot of, uh, of of Dragon Gate as well, and and there's been obviously some ups and downs with, with Dragon Gate over the last um, you know year or, or so, last couple of years. But uh, it does feel like, and, and I definitely got this sense over the last couple of weeks that it does feel like they have firmly entered this new era, uh, and it does feel like some of the uneasiness or the awkwardness of guys coming and going, and the kind of the old guard leaving and the new guard coming. It does kind of feel finally to me like we're 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 in this new era, and these new young guys are kind of taking center stage finally, you know, completely across the company. It's been a lot of fun to watch. So I, I've really enjoyed uh, what I've seen. I have not watched that particular show yet, but that sounds, uh, that sounds awesome. And, and yeah, is that, so the match, that's the 10 man that you're talking about, right? The, uh, the all Japan versus um, uh, the, the, the Kento and his crew versus Yuji and his crew. I thought it was an eight man, but it was eight a man, very, yeah, uh, heard, very okay. So multi-man, but I heard, I heard really, really good things about that match. And it seems right up my alley. And it seems like everybody was bell rang and everybody was just like all business from, from, from the moment it started. So. Yeah, that was a that was a good show. Like all Japan's got a little momentum since uh, their big uh, their big anniversary show. Uh, did you uh, did you watch the uh, you, you watched the 50th anniversary show, right? Oh yeah. Did you did you yeah, have the I same watched. thoughts? I don't know if you listened to the, the flagship last week, but I kind of thought where it was so nice to see it, and it did kind of sh- to I don't know for me it shook me out of like the all Japan funk that I had been in for a while because I I've been watching their shows, but mostly just like oh my god, like it just felt like a they were just limping. Uh, for a while there, but I don't know what it was. It was like, oh yeah, this is a real deal company. Oh yeah, this is like a big time company. Oh yeah, this is all Japan Pro Wrestling. And that, being in that building and having that 50th anniversary just kind of felt like it re-energized, you know, all Japan for me. And then you know, from that point forward, it has felt like a company, at least to me, that I'm like, all right, there's some solid momentum there. And I don't know if that's just optics or if there really is truly solid momentum going on in all Japan. Maybe a little bit of A, a little bit of B. Yeah, it felt like they made all the right decisions, which is always, you know, all, all the booking decisions were proper. They didn't. They didn't blow it. They had a good crowd, and you know the wrestling wasn't the it wasn't the best wrestling show you'll see this year, but it was it was good enough. And you know you came away feeling feeling positive, like okay, we have we're going somewhere. I don't you know I don't know how many. It feels like they have like three people who can challenge for the the triple crown, but um, you know I forget who's getting the next shot. Uh, is it Omori getting the next? I don't remember, but um, oh, he's got to get it. They should put the title on him, honestly. Here's open, yeah. Is it the but, young uh, Mori or the old Mori? Either one. Put the title on him. Who cares? I think the old one, but uh, even more. but yeah, no. It feels like they're uh, yeah, they're they're because it just seems so dire for a bit, like ugh, like you know, just trudging through shows. But it feels like okay, where we turned a corner and hopefully things will pick up from here. Yeah, yeah certainly. So that, that that that's all Japan. I uh, made all the right booking decisions, like you said, and and all the younger wrestlers really took center stage on that 50th anniversary show, which I think was was clearly the way uh, uh, to do that. So. All right, uh, that's Joe. I think that is it for you and I. But before we depart, and then we bring on Scott for the last half of the show, uh, get your plugs out of the way. Tell everybody about the five star match game. Tell them about whatever else you're doing in, in in the world, where they can follow you, where they can listen to your other stuff. All the plugs, everything else you could possibly do uh, to to let people know how they can uh, 
get more Joe Gagne content. Yes, my main show is the Five Star Match Game found right here at the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. It is a wrestling trivia podcast, very unlike pretty much anything out there right now. We have three uh, guests, and we do several rounds of trivia about a certain topic, and the shows are largely evergreen. So if you want to go back through the archives, and we have shows about you know Starcade and WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble and all kinds of different topics here, and we just posted a show about 1990s wrestling in Japan, which covered all kinds of topics. That was a very, very fun show. We had Dan Makabe on recently, uh, taking a break from wrestling, and uh, along with uh, Jojo Remy and uh, Gerard from uh, the Emerald Flow Show on this very site, and that was a very fun show. And our next show, which is almost done, is going to be about In Your House, that uh, the the time frame of shows from uh, was it 95 to 99, those shows, that'll be a lot of fun because that covers a lot of ground in in WWF history. So I'll get some uh, some guests for that. Who knows? Maybe Rich will be on. I've, keeps, been, I've, uh, been, uh, I've, I've considered it. I, I thought I retired. Ooh, but, uh, I will say when you said in your house, I was like, oh, <laughs> that guy that stoked the flames again. So we'll see. Oh, we'll excellent, see what ends excellent. Up so but, uh, yeah, it's been, it, what I, I love the show. It's one of my uh, favorite things we do here. Uh, at, at the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. Just a hell of a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, the guests are always tremendous. The the banter is always good. And, and yeah, the, the questions, I think you do a great job with the questions. You do a great job of presenting them. And it, it, it makes it, I listen to it on my way to work, and it's like very often I'm just like zoning out thinking, like which I should not be doing while I'm driving to work, but I'm like <laughs> zoning out in my head. I'm like, all right, so how many, so many, and I'm trying to count things up in my head and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it, it you do a tremendous job with it. Uh, and, and, yeah, the guests, I, I will say that definitely uh, – it doesn't make the show, but but you you definitely find a way to pick the I to me the perfect collection of guests that always have really really fun really interesting conversations while things are happening. So if you think you're listening to this you know wrestling trivia game and it's just going to be you asking questions and these guests just being like uh, four Joe and you'd be like that is correct thank you and you know, it's not that it's like it's like Rob Naylor having existential crises constantly or whatever it's just great it's just always the the, the people that come on are always really good and the, and the collection of people are always a lot of fun so that that makes it even if you don't care about the wrestling trivia it's still a very fun game and you're going to learn i promise i promise you're going to learn stuff when the show is over and i think that's the most important thing if if you have a a blind spot or if you just find it fun to kind of listen to wrestling trivia it, it's really good but I'm, I'm somebody who used to do wrestling trivia at, at bars and stuff and and i absolutely love it and i think you do a t- tremendous tremendous job uh, better than but other than those people did, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> I, I was fine with it because I won every time, but they were a very, very uh, basic and 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 very, you know, usually not very in-depth questions. But I think you do a really good job of making it challenging, but also not impossible uh, to do uh, as well. So, Rich is on a hero's journey to finally win a game. So we'll see. I cannot tell you how often, this is so sad, how often I get, I don't know why, but in my head I'm always thinking, there was the one, when we were doing the WrestleMania game, I think it was me and Andrew Rich, right, doing the WrestleMania yep. trivia. I'll never forget that I passed on like naming the cities. I forget what I did, like the cities where all the WrestleManias mm-hmm. are, and I know them all, and I do it in my head all the time. Every like I'll be you know having like a, a day where I'm like depressed or whatever, and I'm like, I know all the cities, and I'll do them in my head. I'll go through every single one. I'm like why didn't I just say I could do all the cities right off the bat? I could have won. I could have been a contender. <laughs> you know, I could have been. You know, so I sit there and take another swig out of my handle of, uh, <laughs> of gin and. Yeah, no, it's all right. But uh... now, Rich, I have to say, I think you're misremembering because Andrew had the question: it was which state WrestleMania took place in, but he missed Washington. So you actually won that. that Did I win uh, the one? Oh, I won. You the won points? that. You won the question. So oh, you still feel it the other way, uh, but um, I thought, but not okay, there. All right, because I thought. Well, no, I thought what happened was because that was one of the ones where we had to say I can name fifteen or I can yes. name six. 
Oh, so he named him and then got it wrong? Yes, he could not remember oh, Washington. Well, I'm going to sleep a lot better. So. Well, I'm going to sleep a lot better now. I, I was under the impression that I was like, oh, I could do 15. And he was like, I could do 18. And then he did it. And then I was just like, oh, man, I could do more than 18. Why did I not do more than 18? Like, what am I doing? Is that not no, how it went? Yeah, I remember the the horror in his voice when I asked him where WrestleMania 19 was. He's like, no. So, yes. Oh, well, shit. I'm surprised about nothing. See, there you go. Huh, well, all the drinking, all the therapy for nothing. Jesus. Well, at least I found out a little bit more about myself uh, over the uh, over the course of, <laughs> of my, my deep, dark uh, inner thoughts that I have. Anyway, on that light note, uh, Joe, again, at Joe Gagne uh, on Twitter. Um uh-huh. Joe Gagne, are all the Funtime Arcades still up on YouTube, or did the, go- the copyright gods take any of them down? They took down the Royal Rumble on the SNES and Genesis because someone's like, where'd that go? I'm like, got me. (laughs) So I guess there was a copyright strike on that. So otherwise the rest of that that is, uh, if you've never, if you're a fan of, of pro wrestling video games and you're a fan of Joe, uh, Joe Gagne's Funtime Pro Wrestling Arcade on YouTube, a review of God, how many of those did you do? In Jimmy, mean, you went to sixty plus. I think you've done yeah, the, the, pretty much every wrestling right. game that's ever existed. I'd say, right? Uh, there were a couple. You know, we didn't get to it. Gets, I mean, something like the the like you know Royal Rumble on the Genesis. I, I could do that script off the top of my head because they were, you know the games were pretty basic and and you had a familiarity with them. Where some of these like on the yeah you know, I have to get a GameCube and play those and come up with something to say for that. So it got a bit more complex. Right, right. Some of those are the ones we uh, we didn't get to. Yeah, but, and they tend know, to be never say never. Yeah, and, yeah, and they tend to be more of the classic games. If you're wondering, it's like you know you're not yeah. reviewing SmackDown versus Raw 2007 or whatever, and being like uh, all yeah. right. No, it's like you know the old school games, the the you know the Genesis, the uh, um, Nintendo NES, you know. Muscle, <laughs> the uh, the acronym muscle, not muscle. Yeah, that's uh, that's always good. Uh, backyard wrestling. I remember that episode being great too. So, uh, anyway, um, that is uh, that's Joe Gagne's Funtime Pro Wrestling Arcade on YouTube. If you want to go find that, you can uh, at Joe Gagne on Twitter, and then of course the five star match game over at the uh, Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. So that is uh, Joe. That is it. I want to thank you again for jumping on here, helping us out with this first part of the show. Uh, you're always more than willing to come on when, when when Joe, as usual, is taking a week off, a sick day, uh, whatever he's doing. But uh, you, you always fill in uh, very admirably. So I just want to thank you, of course, for uh, for stepping up and doing it again uh, this week. Joy, honor, and privilege to always be on. Yes, the absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're you're the one that's uh, poisoning Joe to get on, but uh, keep it up because. Uh, I enjoy talking to you sometimes too. So oh, I appreciate <laughs> yeah, that. You, so if you're if you're, poisoning, you, if you're poisoning Joe, you know what? Once a year is fine. That's okay. You know, a couple of times a year is okay. So now my 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 reach doesn't extend to College Station, Texas. There, so <laughs> right. But uh, Joe, thank you again at Joe Gagne, uh, five star match game on the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. That is Joe. So we are going to bid Joe uh, adieu. I am going to go on mute. I'm going to play some hold music. It is very classic hold music. Uh, and then we are going to bring on Scott and discuss uh, the world of Joshi. Uh, for the second half of the show. So just stick with us. Like I said, I'll be on mute. Don't go anywhere. The show is not over. I just got to get things uh, set up in the back end uh, to get uh, Scott on here. But uh, we will be back very, very soon. So just uh, be patient, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk uh, in a minute. All right. 
right, and we are back here on the flagship. I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, horrible uh, hold music that uh, has been ingrained in the mind of many of us who have ever called an IT company or been on hold with a, a cable company or an electric company or whatever. So I hope we got that one, uh, but I hope you enjoyed that. But uh, <laughs> we are now ready for the part two of this week's flagship. We're bringing on a first-time guest host here. It is Scott Edwards. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. I mean, you picked a good topic for me to talk about. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, so uh, the reason I'm bringing you on here is, is, uh, you know, I this week there wasn't a ton of other wrestling going on. And and, uh, this weekend I had heard about this five star Grand Prix final in in, in stardom. And, And usually when there's a very, very well recommended Joshi match, I'll usually check it out. I know Joe does the same. And a lot of times we'll kind of agree that like, I don't know, it didn't really, it didn't hit me on the level that, that I really want to, you know, talk. I, Cause people really like, people will say, Hey, this is like one of the greatest matches. This is a match of the year or whatever. And then I watch it. I'm like, ah, it was okay. I don't think it hit me on that level. So I don't want to go on the show and just shit on these people and say, Hey, this match that you liked was, was bad or I didn't really like it or whatever. But when I saw this match and, and people were raving about it, and then I read your piece that you wrote at voiceofwrestling.com about the, the destiny, Julia, and the one-night journey to perfection. I read that, and I said, ooh, okay, this sounds like something I need to watch. This sounds like something mm-hmm. that's going to kind of hit me on a different level. We'll talk about your piece uh, here in a little bit more. And then I watched that match. And when it was over, mm-hmm. I went, okay, no, that was that was good as hell. Not only was it great, like a really, really tremendous match, but the story, yeah. the implications, the background, what it meant for the future of stardom, what it meant for the, the present of stardom, all that sort of stuff – that's what hit me on a different level. And then when this situation came up where Joe couldn't be on the show this week, I was thinking, all right, I kind of wanted to make Joe talk about this match and show anyway. Well, now it's perfect. I could talk to somebody who has watched all the five-star Grand Prix, who watches everything that stardom does, who's an expert on the Joshi field and a tremendous writer uh, at voicewrestling.com and wrote one of the best pieces. I I would say nothing against anything else you've ever written, but this was your best piece that you've ever done. I mean, this, this was tremendous stuff and that's been that's been carried out a lot of other people have said those same thing as well like this was just a one like a great piece like an all-time great piece and you could see the passion you can you can you can read it through that piece of just how much you cared uh, about this moment it's very easy to care because it's great storytelling it's tremendous storytelling mm-hmm. uh in that piece but um you know that's that's why i brought you on and we're going to talk a little bit about stardom uh we're gonna talk a little bit about Josh, uh, tokyo joshi pro here uh, in a bit, but before we get into that, I uh, do want to let uh, let people get to know you a little bit uh, because this is the first time that you've ever been on the flagship, and there might be a lot of people listening that have never read a review, have never read a column that you've done before. Uh, so, just kind of wanted to introduce you to uh, to the listeners of 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 who Scott Edwards is and how mm-hmm. uh, how you got into the world of pro wrestling. So, uh, mm-hmm. how did you unfortunately become obsessed with this stupid, stupid <laughs> thing called pro wrestling? Oh uh, man, I was you know I was a uh... Eight-year-old kid who played SmackDown versus Raw because it was a game that I got at the video store. Um, didn't know that the people were real. That was my favorite. That's my favorite part of the story. Had no idea that anyone on the farcical characters that just got yeah, because it was a video game. So like, I'm just thinking it's made up, you know. And you know, after a while, connected the dots, watched it, and watched WWE, of course. And it's been locked in ever since. And you know, I love it. You know, I love every second of it. I watch, you know, I, I know a lot of people know me if they're listening to this and they do know me. Uh, they know I like Joshi and that's my main, you know, that's my main thing. But I watch everything and that's because I love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's ever since I was eight years old, I've been locked in ever since. I'm sitting here. I'm at 23 years old now. Haven't uh, fallen out. 
Um, and fun fact, the actually only time I almost did fall out was uh, right when COVID started and, you know, WWE and AEW were in warehouses. And I was like, all right, I need something new. And it ended up being Joshi. And now it's kind of my obsession in a lot of ways. But I guess wrestling is as a whole anyways. And like you said, it is a stupid sport, but I love it too much. No, it, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the best <laughs> and the worst thing ever. It sucks, but yeah. it's also the greatest thing ever. So uh, that's why that's why we do this. And yeah, that's that's I think, honestly, that's where this it separates the people that are going to be in forever and the people that are truly like, all right, no, this thing rules and I love wrestling and I, is – like you're always kind of into it. Like, like I, I grew up with a lot. Of, I grew up kind of in the Attitude Era. I became a fan in like you know ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, mm. somewhere in that range or whatever. And in ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine, all my friends watched it. Like everybody watched it. Right. Everybody was into it. Every you know because it was the Attitude Era, all that sort of stuff. So everybody was into it. And then I remember there was like one day where I was like, "Hey, are we gonna watch like insert random pay per view?" And everyone's like, "No, we don't watch wrestling anymore." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I still love it." And then I just never stopped yeah. watching. I was like, "Well, yeah. then screw you guys. I'm gonna keep watching wrestling." <laughs> and then like a lot of those friends, I'm not friends with anymore and a lot of my current friends i've like met through wrestling or i've just got mm. you know so it's like it, th there's that inflection point and, and you kind of had that at the beginning of covid where it was like i could just wake up tomorrow and never watch this stuff ever again or let me learn about the rest of the world of wrestling what else is out yeah. there what else is and then you found something and it hooked you and you're like i'm in forever and that's kind of like I always tell people ROH was that for me, where I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, WWE's getting a little boring or whatnot. And then I discovered Ring of Honor, and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this is a whole different right. wrestling world. And then I discovered Japan, and I'm like, I'm never going to stop watching wrestling. There's so mm -hmm. much great stuff out here. So uh, I'm glad you found uh, Joshi uh, to do there. But uh, yeah, so that that you're, you're a pretty, which I, I hate to ask, which SmackDown versus Raw is this? It's going to make me feel very, very old because you said you're 2007 right? with Triple H and you were eight uh, right years in the old middle. in 2007, is what you're saying. Well, yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, you said you were 23 and should have known anyway. Well, you know what? It also annoys me is you're a very good writer at 23 because I was not that good of a writer at 23. So that also annoys me. But you should be pretty proud of, uh, of what you've done uh, so far. Uh, it, you know, we're going to talk about the Julia piece in a little bit. So I won't, I'll save my thoughts about that. But I don't like anytime I write things, I have no idea if it's actually good or not. I'm just like, you know what? I am happy I put that on. <laughs> I'm happy I wrote that out. Will someone like it? I don't know. Yeah, but I'm happy eh, I did. I don't. I don't <laughs> really know what a good writer is. I think it's just a matter of if you write with passion, if you write with, you know, if you write about something you care about, you're yeah. gonna write well. Mm -hmm. That's about it. <laughs> and that's no, and 100. I'm so bad at school writing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's who cares about that stuff. Yeah. Wrestling. Exactly. Really yeah. These, no, I, I always tell people when when people want to write for for the website or, or or ask me about writing about the website, I just say, look, we I don't care what you write about. I don't. You could write about whatever topic you want within reason, obviously, and and with yeah. you know, some some modicum of like respect for humans and all that sort of stuff. Like, <laughs> but you know, write whatever you want, but just it's got to be passionate because I'm going to be able to read it right. through. I, if you're writing something and I can tell you don't care, or you're just writing it because you're writing it, or you're asking me, hey, what should I write about? I often say, like, I, I'm not going to tell you what to write about. Like, what mm. do you want to write about? What are you passionate about? What what's you know clicking with you? And and that's where you can see great writing coming through is because yeah, when people do care. And, and also when, you know, wrestling cares and when the wrestling cares back mm -hmm. to you, when, when it's like, I care about this and then this company cares about the moment, this wrestler cares about the moment, uh, that's when, when, when great wrestling happens and when great wrestling writing happens as well. Uh, and and that, that came through clearly on that Julia piece that you're talking about uh, that, that we released a couple days ago uh, over at VoicesOfWrestling.com. So let's, uh, let's get into that then uh, with uh, the, the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix. So now this tournament, if you, if, 
Scott, if you want to let people know a little bit about the five-star Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix uh, this is similar in a sense to the G1 Climax, except for I think yeah. it's went over the course of four months, right? Four or five months oh, it's been going yeah, on. It's been what... a very arduous process to get here. As someone who watched every single match of the 157 matches oh that God. this tournament was, <laughs> um, yeah, it was long. So they only run on weekends pretty much. Um, you know, they're not like New Japan. They're not running – and no one's like New Japan, so it's not really fair to compare. But, you know, they run every weekend, you know, 10 matches per show, if not less. Um, it, it is like the G1 in a lot of ways because it's the same, you know, point system, two-block system. I know they switched to uh, four this year, but it, it's, it's the same in a lot of ways. But this year, um, because they had 26 participants, they moved the time limits from – uh, 20 down to 15, which, you know, I think a lot of people kind of went into and were like, I don't know how to feel about this. Cause a lot, for a lot of people, I know this from talking to people, this was their first time watching this tournament. And I always stress that Joshi wrestling is very different from like, because I think in, in new Japan, you need that time to break it down throughout the 30 minutes. And, you know, there's a lot of quick matches, all, all things considered in this year's G1. But sometimes Joshi matches are just, all right, let's hit each other as hard as possible and let's try to win. And so th- it really did work. It was, and like I said, it was a long tournament. Uh, there was definitely times where you got kind of like, all right, I'm tired. I, I I wouldn't mind if like you know we sped up to that final because the final to me that's the show right that's the show that everyone should check out you don't have to watch 157 matches like myself you can build yourself up to that last show um, and that's why you know when I wrote um, the quick preview for Voice of Wrestling I tossed like all the matches worth you know giving a crap about mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at the end because I was like listen if you want to try to catch up. Here's here's what's worth knowing uh, from this tournament, especially because of big story pieces and just it was a lot of Julia. I'll give you everyone that hint right now. It was a lot of Julia, but I understand anyone that couldn't watch it all. I understand anybody that maybe just jumped into the final, but stardom is growing. This tournament's going to get bigger and bigger every year, and I think this year, despite how good Shuri was in last year's tournament, this year was the best tournament they've put together, and it's a lot to do with that final night. Yeah, and, and that piece, again, if, if, if you're listening to this and going, oh, wow, I'm kind of interested, I want to learn more, uh, yeah, you did a preview up at VoicesWrestling.com, and, and you give all the standings and all that sort of stuff, and obviously that's going to be spoiled now with, with what we're going to talk about in a bit, yeah. but if you do want to yeah. catch up, you do have a spot there where it's like, hey, here are the recommended matches for each night, and and, mm. uh, and you can watch all the, I, everything is up now on Stardom World, right, Even including the final, yeah, everything that's, all, is. that's all available, yep. so yeah, that's their streaming yep. service. Uh, if you wanted to jump in uh, and watch some of that stuff, but uh, yeah, let, let's. So I watched the final, uh, the entire final show. I mean, I initially was just going to watch the main event, but got kind of inspired mm-hmm. and said, "Ah, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's watch the entire show." And then I saw the match times, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds perfect." Because, like yeah. I said, pretty much up and down the show, it was bell ring, and then they just run at each other right away, which is great. I like. I mm-hmm. prefer that. I I honestly mm-hmm. would rather have that than a ten minute feeling out process and a thirty five minute yeah. match or whatever. I think those have their place. Uh, those For are sure. important to do, but uh, sometimes, especially in a tournament atmosphere, I just want like the bell to ring and people being like, "This is my life." And and especially mm-hmm. with this show, because the way that this show was formatted is very similar to how G ones used to be formatted before they did the finals on on a separate day than the semifinals. 
is that everybody that's going in here, everybody that has a chance to get to the final, wants to get their match over with as quick as possible because they're going to have to wrestle again later tonight to win the entire thing. So the idea of, and New Japan did a great job of doing this during the G1 many of those years ago, is that you don't want to go out there and have a 25-minute match. You don't want to be out there, you know, fucking around for, because you don't have much time. Like, you're going to have to rest up and get back out there in another hour and try to win the whole thing. So you do not want to waste a bunch of time and waste a bunch of energy. You want to do whatever you can to get this over as quick as possible. And you saw that up and down the undercard. We're just a lot of the matches were quick, 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 quick. Except mm-hmm. for and, and and we have to talk about this match to kind of build up to uh, the final is uh, Julia uh, and Suzu Suzuki, which you wrote a lot about in that piece as well. They went to a fifteen minute draw. Uh, time limit draw, mm. which got Julia into the finals. But why was that match significant for more than just Julia getting into the finals? What did what did Suzu Suzuki mean to that as well? So for those who don't know, Julia is someone who didn't start off in Storm. She started off in Ice Ribbon, which is another Joshi promotion, and then she kind of just left. That story is another story for another day. But you know, when she left, she went to Stardom because she saw herself as a bigger star and knew that she could go there and do that. And that's clearly what she's done. Uh, she was never at that top, top level in Ice Ribbon. But uh, that brings us to Suzu Suzuki, who is a you know 20-year-old Joshi prodigy um, who just recently left Ice Ribbon last year, about a year ago now. She announced that she was leaving. But she you know has already been – she's already a former world champion from that company. She did things that Julia never did in that company, which is very interesting. But the main reason that match was so important is because they had a relationship right before Julia left. They were friends. They were almost like sisters. And uh, earlier this year, Suzu Suzuki, after, again, leaving Ice Ribbon, she walked into uh, stardom on the pay-per-view, first pay-per-view of the year. There's been so many. I'm sorry. I can't remember off the top of my head. But she walked in, got in Julia's face, you know, had tears going down her eyes. And pretty much the story was, you left me. You didn't care. You left me for here. And now, you know, I pretty much want to beat you up. And her group, Prominence, is a deathmatch-type subgroup, um, Joshi group that's freelance. Um, But most importantly, since that moment, everything that they've done has built to this match. It was the most highly anticipated match of this tournament. A tournament, mind you, that involves a rematch between Shuri and Utami Haishishida, which, of course, is a very big deal to... I think even non-Joshi fans, at least you have heard of it. Oh yeah, because yeah. of Dave I, Meltzer's ratings. Yeah, finished in our. I forget what it did our match of the year. Let me let me find that real quick. Uh, but did very very well. I think it was the top. Re- I want to say it was the top rated Joshi match in our match of the year last year uh, as well. So, I believe it was. I think it came in. I think it came top five almost. I, if I'm not almost positive right it did. There. I'm just trying to figure out the exact number five. Yeah, you're right, right on the money. Number five, five which is yeah. yeah the highest ranked Joshi match ever in the history of uh, the our, our match of the year poll. So. Uh, yeah, right. another match. If you're looking to jump into Joshi, that might not be a bad spot to, to go to. Uh, yeah, which is the best match in an incredible year of wrestling. So, which is, by the way, the complete opposite of these 15 minute matches. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. Yeah, that is not 15 minutes. It is there, a little longer than 15 your, minutes. Yes. Yeah, there's your stardom epic if you're looking for it. <laughs> right. But so all of this adds up. They had a few tag matches, but they never gave them the singles match. So going into this, both of them have a chance to make it to the finals, right? If you win, you're in, essentially, because this Hazuki was eliminated earlier in the night. And Suzu Suzuki, again, an outsider, a 20-year-old prodigy, worked her way up. 
But at the end of the day, all she cared about was wrestling Julia. And before this match even starts, you can just feel the emotion. And and mind you, throughout this whole process, Julia has pretty much no sold the fact that Suzu Suzuki is as emotional and as angry as she is because she's like, she just brushes it off. She's like, you don't, I'm going to show you why, you know, you want to come to stardom type things and why you want to wrestle everyone in stardom, why stardom's great. But this, this whole friendship relationship, I don't care about it. Yeah. Well, the moment this match is starting, you see them both crying in the, and that for me, as someone that watched this live, it was not something I expected. I really did not because, you know, it's a tournament match, big stakes. You kind of almost sometimes forget those little things. But as soon as something like that happens, you're locked right back in on the actual story at hand. And as I wrote about in that article, everything they did to each other was so violent and so emotional mm -hmm. because you're trying to move on. You're trying to get to that next round. But at the same time, you have so much pent up frustration and, you know, by the end of it, Julia was feeling it. 15 minutes later, Julia was feeling it, right? She, she she took Suzu's finisher. She was the only person in this tournament to kick out of it, which was the double German suplex with the bridge. Um, and Julia hit the glorious driver at the end, but, you know, the match was over. And you could see, you know, she was just so angry, Suzu. But it was, it was kind of like what you would see in a movie when someone's just frustrated with their friend or their someone they have problems with but they obviously love and then in the end they they do their way of embracing it's just like all right i could have not known that story this whole time but i can tell these two at least have a relationship and i think they really did a great job at showing that and yeah. for julia that was her pretty much bringing her past and ice ribbon and all of that into this one match and kind of having a way of pushing it all away because so many there were legitimate Joshi fans I'm telling you this right now that didn't like Julia because of the way she left ice room there is that is a real thing and I always have liked Julia I think she's great she's a star and I think this was a great way to just kind of push that weight off her shoulders don't worry these two have plenty more uh left in them but for 15 minutes, they told the story. Julia still advanced, and Suzu still didn't win, uh, lose. So there's more to be there. But I did love how they told that. No, and and I think what you could gather from this match too, even if you didn't know the background and the story between these two. I mean, you know that there's obviously emotion going in uh, to to this match. Like you, you can you can just see that when they're both in the ring. But right. like you mentioned, the final few minutes of that match and especially oh, yeah. the final like 30 seconds of the match where they're hitting their finishers julia mm -hmm. kicks out julia hits her move she f kicks out and then suzuki and julia are both on their knees and suzuki is just like slapping her and pushing her because she knows there's like two seconds left in this match i'm not gonna win it and it's more of like a frustrated like god damn you god damn it god damn it and mm -hmm. like like you yeah. said and, like it, it, it's you can buy that in the frustration of God damn it, I'm not going to be able to beat you and you're going to go to the final. I'm so annoyed. And also then when you know the story, it's like the also the I love you, but I'm also frustrated about you because you left me high and dry. You don't mm -hmm. care about me. You've never cared about me. Like that sort of and, and it's just like, yeah, you watched it and, and her just screaming, knowing that I can't win this match. I'm not going to beat you. And God damn it, I'm so upset about you know yeah. uh, this. But understanding that, OK, well, at least we've we've 
we've had this emotion. We've both poured our emotions out. And now we can move forward. And that's what you get in the post match. And it's just like, God damn, yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty damn good stuff. There's a lot to be, that's a lot of stuff to tell in 15 minutes. And Oh, also it was like 14 minutes of which were just like really, really good pro wrestling in between there too. Mm. So, uh, yeah, there's a ton going into that, that, yeah, if you don't know, if you know, just even the basics of it, you, there's still something appealing, but yeah, if you know <laughs> the deep, deep down and all the other stuff, I mean, it just hits you on a completely different level. Uh, of why these two women yeah. are just so emotional and so, you know, desperate, you know, to, to, to not just to beat the other, but just to get in the ring with each other and just kind of, you know, use that history and either move forward yeah. with it or, or whatever. So, yeah, seeing Julia cry is just like such a odd thing because she has this like big person persona where she's like above everything yeah, and, yeah, you know, right. she's too cool for school and then she's crying as soon as her first tournament match of the night starts, and you're like, "Oh, okay." So she's feeling all of these emotions. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Now. Well, it's it's very similar. I mean, a great a great example would be, and and hell, I mean, that she might you know get to that level at a certain point too. Is is you know when Okada was crying at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, he loses. Mm-hmm. This is this, you know, I'm the rainmaker, I'm the big star, I'm the best, or whatever. And the Tanahashi embarrasses him and says, "Ah, get the fuck yeah. out of my ring, pal." And he's crying. <laughs> he's just like, "Oh my god, I'm," I, I, you know. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh god," like this guy who felt like he was on top of the world, he's mm-hmm. emotional as hell. And that you're absolutely right. And that 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 is definitely something that uh, it, it's good. It's a nice. It's a good step, I think. Uh, in in her and I've watched a lot of her stuff and I and, and there's no way that if you've watched her that you don't see I mean she obviously made the right decision I would say it didn't go yeah, I mean obviously did. you know there's a lot of controversy with that at, at, at the time you know I kind of followed from afar because uh, I don't follow Joshi as much a, a, as others but you know it, it, this happens this is it's a Japan thing more than anything it's just like you yeah, don't it really is. where you come up from and that you just don't do that that's abandoning yeah. and there's ways to go about it and she didn't really do it in the best way. No. And it was the right decision, but it was also one that, like, yeah, you were going to just be met with a bunch of controversy. But, I mean, make no question about it. From the moment she stepped in stardom, it felt like, okay, this, she's going to be something. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in a bit at the main event. But uh, she's, this is an important name. If, if you don't know the name, if you don't know the face, uh, you're about to learn it very soon. And, uh, uh, you know, with Bushi Road, you know, having, you know, stake in stardom and, and stardom being integrated a little bit more into New Japan moving forward. Uh, they mm. clearly think Julia is a big deal too, because New Japan has used <laughs> her every time they have. And I mean, Jesus, look at her. I mean, she's just got a projectable look. She looks like a mm-hmm. superstar. Uh, you know, there's every, everything that you could possibly want out of, Hey, who would we build a company around? Julia's kind of the one that you look at and go, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's a good person to build a company around. Uh, and New Japan sees that stardom sees that. So yeah, she's a name that if you don't know Julia, if you've never seen her before, uh, it's time to get you know acquainted with her because I, I I don't think she's going away anytime soon. No, no, she is not. Uh, she she's had she's been on a three year road to that world title now. Um, you know, because the moment she stepped in, everyone's like, all right, she's going to be world champion. Yeah. Um, and just the hoops that she's had to jump through, and really just the development as a wrestler too. I mean, she's so much better now than when she first came in. Just and she's completely transformed her um in ring style to be far more physical. Like she used to do all like this technical stuff and that wasn't very good. So uh just watching her now it's 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 as if she wrestles as if she's been through a lot too. I don't know I don't know how best I can explain that, but like, you know, she goes out there as if it's her last match every time because that speaks to people yeah and you could tell this night alone that she wrestles like that right because she went into that match with suzu she didn't care that there was a final later she was like all right 
uh, I'm going to, you know, headbutt you twice. And, you know, pe- people after, after Julia's term, let's just say people like, does she like not know what happened to Katsuyori Shibata? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Or <laughs> several other Joshi wrestlers before <laughs> right. her. Like, yeah, many of them. When they were, you know, 27 <laughs> years old or whatever, just because yeah. their bodies broke down. Uh, no, uh, I fear she doesn't, which is fine no, with me. I mean, hell, go for it. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, it's entertaining. Yeah. I, don't get me wrong. It's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Two in one match, then a final later. I'm like, yeah, right. yeah, good for you, yeah, good for good you. Good, but <laughs> yeah, you look at the rest of the night, and a, none of the other match. I mean, the the closest you have is Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani. That went yeah. 13 minutes, and I think that's the next longest, other than the final. Everything else is you know between seven minutes. You got a 44 second match in there as well, uh, but a bunch <laughs> of other stuff uh, there, which we'll, we'll touch on here in a, in a sec. But uh, let's get to that final. Uh, it's Julia versus Tam Nakano, and that has a bit of uh, importance as well. Uh, do you want to let people know why that is also important for Julia? Everything mattered. Every, that's what was really oh, yeah. cool about this is everything that happened with Julia and everything that happened with a lot of the other people on the card, it mattered. And, and particularly this thing with, with, with Julia and Tam Nakano mattered. And, and, and why did it? Oh, yeah. They get a long road. Um, so it all started really with the Wonder Storm Championship when Julia came in. That was the title she wanted. Um, she was going to – she won the Cinderella tournament, which is their other signature tournament, kind of like a uh, New Japan Cup type thing, but a lot shorter, a lot different. Kind of like – both of them have their differences, but it's a single elimination tournament. She won that, and she was going to wrestle Tam Nakano's best friend, Arisa Ushiki. Arisa Ushiki is someone that had maybe 150 matches to her name. She was Wonderstorm champion, and she had to retire due to injury. And Tam Nakano was the one who promised she would take that title off of Arisa Shiki. So, of course, she couldn't do that because Arisa had to retire. Um, and the interesting part is, right, is Arisa retired, and then two days later is unfortunately when Hana Kimura passed away. And that was, at the time, Julia's biggest rival. So... They do a world wonder stardom tournament when they come back from COVID. Um, and in the finals is Julia versus Tam Nakano. So it's almost as if they, and this is so sad to think about because of what happened to those two wrestlers in different ways, but they now became each other's rivals through the unfortunate losses of theirs and the injury. And of course, Honda passing. And since then, you know, Julia won the belt and Tam Nakano pretty much wrestled her two more times, once for the title, once in. Um, the five star. Uh, so they they split. Tam was at two and one, and then fast forward to All Star Dream Cinderella, of course, last year, which was at the Nippon Budokan, uh, pretty one of if not their biggest show ever. They main evented with a hair versus hair title match for the Wonder of Storm title. All came down to that. They main evented, not the world title. It was all about this and. If you're listening to this and you're a WWE fan or, you know, American wrestling fan, hair, hair versus hair means a lot more in other companies, especially Joshi, because there's just so much wrapped into it, right? Like these are yeah. you know, women's wrestlers and looks looks do matter, right? It's like Kurt Angle's balding, okay, when he got his head shaved. So yeah, like, it's, a, it's, it's a big difference. There, it's, a, it's a big difference. For, especially in American wrestling because we're so right. used to, I think most people are so used to, like, guys just getting either, like, better haircuts, like – Jeff yeah. Jarrett lost a hair versus hair match and then just had like a crew cut and cut his mullet. And it's like, well, that doesn't exactly. count. Like, right. And then, like you said, Kurt Angle's hair is like halfway up his scalp and he loses right. the hair. And you're like, well, that doesn't. But here's a woman, <laughs> you know, like a, yeah. a, 
uh, for all intents, I mean, she's an attractive woman. Like, that's why she's being pushed to the level she is. Like, and she's got long hair. And she's not just going to get it cut. She's not just going to get a pixie cut. They right. put it down. They shave her head. She is. Yeah. She's not bald, but she has, you know, the zero blade yeah. or the one blade or whatever. It is, <laughs> it is down to. And, yeah, it, it, it's a. It's a bold, bold, bold transformation to have that happen, you know, to, to have long hair, long, you know, and, and it being, you know, cut off. Yeah, it means it means a lot. It means a ton. Yeah, there's a long history of the hair versus hair match in Joshi that if you really want to look it up, I promise you there's plenty of great articles out there to do so. Um, so, yeah, so Tam Nakano beats Julia that night. Julia has to shave her head, lose her title, right? She lost everything yeah. at that show. Tam Nakano gained everything. And that was when Julia went to rock bottom. And I, and, and I wrote about this in the piece is that Julia couldn't have been more rock bottom, right? She had her head shaved. She didn't have her title. She had to build herself back up, right? She's supposed to be the leader of DDM. Meanwhile, her partner, Shuri, is winning everything. Absolutely everything, right? She wins, you know, they win the tag titles together, but, you know, we're going to give credit to Shuri a lot there. You know, Shuri's the SWA champion. She wins the five-star, and this is where I talk about the five-star and that Julia, of course, had to miss half of last year's five-star because she got injured. So there's another setback. She comes back last year at Stardom Dream Queendom, which is now their big signature Wrestle Kingdom, WrestleMania-type event. Um, and she has this look that is an honor to Hana Kimura. Right with the, if you ever seen Hana Kimura after she won the five star Grand Prix, she had like the locks and it was just a wonderful look that you see her now have. And you know she got away from it because she wrestled Konami and they had like a tribute match to Hana in a lot of ways because Konami was leaving. And that's when you really started to feel Julia start to build herself back up, build herself back up. Then you get to the match of Shuri. She loses that. Shuri leaves Donna Del Mondo, makes her own group. Okay. Little rattled here, back and forth. And then Julia watches Natsu Poi turn on DDM and her to join Tam Nakano and the Cosmic Angels. So, as you can see, very long road here between these two. There's a little something every time. You go through the five-star Grand Prix. Julia loses the first two nights, so two more struggles, and then she goes winning. And winning, and winning, and winning, and winning, and winning. You know, she beats the crap out of Natsu Poi. That's one of the matches I recommended strictly because it's the closest thing to a squash you will see in this tournament. And it's a well-done type of match like that. And then, of course, it all builds to the final here where Julia, who has been at rock bottom trying to build herself back up to get to that first major singles win, will now face the woman who sent her there. Um, it's very... I don't know if every single part of that road was supposed to happen because part of me still does think Julia was supposed to win the tournament last year. But if it was, bravo to them because it's a full circle. As I said, a one-night road to perfection. You know, It was destiny that she went to this tournament and not only won, but beat Tam Nakano to do it. Yeah, a it, it, it really, really cool moment. Uh, a really great match, by the way, if you want to check it out. It's still not even... Uh, you look at 17 minutes, so it's still like if you're thinking, oh, yeah. here we go, it's going to be a big epic, it's the final of the tournament. It's not a big 45 minute, 50 minute match or whatever. It, it's over in 17 minutes, and it is nonstop action between those. And like you said, there's there's some shoot headbutts if you need them. There's uh, kickouts at one, like a lot of the the there was the um 
tiger suplex from the top where Julia just like landed on her head. Oh, and, that's right. I watched that this yeah. morning and I just like, yeah, I just went, ah, God damn, my dog was like, what? What's it? You know, it was yeah. you know, 5 a.m. and I'm watching this match or whatever. But yeah, she, because I'm watching the, the, and I'm like, all right, she's going to turn over. It's okay. Nope. She's just going to land right on the top of her head. I'm like, yeah. like we were talking about earlier. It's like, Julia, I'm like, please, like keep wrestling until <laughs> yeah. you're 30. Like, just try. Like, don't, don't. Yeah. You, you felt everything <laughs> yeah, that she yeah. went through that night, right? Like when they were slapping each other in the middle of the ring and she was spitting out, like, you felt like, oh, she's exhausted. Yeah. She's zonk, but she's like, all right, let's just get myself together here. Um, you know, the fi- the finishing stretch where they trade each other's moves, and then Julia uses the Northern Lights bomb, a move she didn't she developed after the Tam Nakano loss, and a move that she didn't use all tournament long to win. It was like the perfect uh, cherry on top to what was a perfect story for Julia. I mean. That is a move that is synonymous with Joshi wrestling too. Um, for those who Akira Hokuto, that was her finisher, yeah. mm-hmm. um, of course. So, just the fact that she, you know, plants her with that wins one, two, three, and again another emotional battle for different reasons, and she finally gets that moment. Um, yeah, it was it was as special as they could have made it for Julia. I don't think they could have made the night more perfect for her and i'm happy they did it that way and i think the finishing sequence is awesome too because so so they, they exchange finishers they both kick out at one mm-hmm. and then like you said julia hits a move and tam right, kicks through. out again yeah and instead of like breaking down or screaming or doing whatever she just goes mm-hmm. all right i got another thing for you and then gets up <laughs> yeah. immediately and then hits her with the, the, the bomb like you said and then that's it and then that like but i love that because like there's so much wrestling that You'll have, and it's one of the the worst tropes in in, in modern wrestling mm-hmm. is like the wrestler then gets up and pulls Ugh. their hair, does the, you know, the, the NXT thing where you go, no, what more can I do? <laughs> but I like the confidence in Julia. Like you said, it's her getting back to that confidence, being like, all right, motherfucker, I got one more thing for you. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> you didn't know I had, but I got yeah. it. So she gets up and just spikes around her head, one, two, three, and then it's like, yep, I knew I, I could do it. And that that's that's like you said, it comes full circle. Then like the the mental breakdowns, the losing the hair, losing everything. And it comes to this moment where you have all the confidence in the world that, yeah, you just kicked out of my finisher, but don't worry. Right. I got something more for you. I got one more thing for you that's going to finally do it. And then it does it. And then, yeah, she gets a big crown and a big trophy and a a, a big robe. And, yeah, she's the she's the, the yeah. top of the. I, I tweeted out um, when it was over, like, the side-by-side of her and Hana. Because, like I said, Hana won this. And she and, and Julia designed her, like, pretty much whole look in this tournament after hana's run so like seeing them side by side i was like wow they really kind of mirror each other and that was that was julia's first rival in stardom like they were probably destined for that all-star dream cinderella hair versus hair main event honestly which is just crazy to think about so getting to see her you know pay her tributes again goes to that full circle type thing and i don't mean to like keep harping on that but it, it, she did everything she could to put her entire wrestling journey into one night. And I think that's just, it's a great, it's an accomplishment because I feel like it's so hard to do. And a lot, you know, like we saw the, the hangman page rise. Right. And they, they did that so well and how they built him back up and how they made him ready to beat Kenny. And like, this is t- one of those types of things where, the predictable winner 
is also the perfect winner. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes don't don't overthink it. Just just go with yeah. the one. Go but it also speaks to her as well of just being, you know, as 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 young as she is, you know, still only, mm-hmm. you know, 28 years old or whatever. And that right, 27, 20, I forget exactly where she I think 28, I want to say I looked at that earlier. But, you know, with that set like that to that's still pretty young in the wrestling business to be yeah. this good of a thinker about how your career is going to go and how these stories are important and how moves mm-hmm. are important and how all that sort of stuff. I mean, that that's, you know, we, and Joe and I always talk about in the flagship, like there's, there's this weird, like the 34 to 35 to 36 is tends to be when like, a, you know, male wrestlers tend to kind of put it all together yeah. where their body maybe isn't what it was in their twenties, but their mind is like on a next level. They've wrestled a bunch. Mm-hmm. They've, they've had a lot of experiences. They've talked to a lot of people and they just, they think about wrestling a lot better than, than they do mm-hmm. when they're 21 or 23 or 24. Like for her to be at that level at 28 is, is a tremendous, tremendous accomplishment. And, and, and yeah, it speaks to like what we were talking about a little bit earlier where, this is somebody that you're going to have to get to know because New yeah. Japan is going to start doing a lot more stuff with Stardom moving forward. Uh, Stardom is going to be an important part of New Japan's American, uh, uh, you know, expansion and and continued you know running and in, in over the next couple of years. Uh, and yeah, the, the women are going to get even more important in New Japan, and and she is is clearly one that they have their eye on. Uh, to be an important part of that division moving forward. So yeah, now if you don't know Julia, now's the time to to jump on board. And 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 yeah, it's a good yeah. time to do it too because she she's really coming into her own in, in all the ways. Yeah, I know they have the uh, IWGP Women's Championship, and they're going to go with the smartest match for that uh, historic crossover show. Which I don't know if we were going to talk about or not, but um, Julia is going to be the World of Stardom champion. So by the time that IWGP Women's Champions crowned and you know, maybe eyes start to come in. Julia is going to have a lot of eyes on her. Of course, she—I think she's already set for the crossover. She's teaming with Zack Saber Jr. Yes, to go against Shuri and Tom Lawler, which is really cool. So they kind of did tell you who's going to win this as well, because Shuri, of course, is the world champion, and that's who Julia will be facing. But uh, yeah, you're going to have to keep your eyes on her because even if she's not in the IWGP Women's Title Hunt right now, she's still going to be at the top of stardom. And she's going to be featured on a lot of things moving forward. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I think it was it was pretty prominent too when you saw her. I mean, she was one of the people that was at the G one or whatever when they were doing yes. announcements and stuff. Like, yeah, if, if that's not even more clear of who they that company, which was used. Sherry and Julia again. Yeah, exactly. So that's <laughs> if, if if you need to know what two they think are uh, pretty important to the the future, and and they obviously there's many others on the roster, but uh, yeah. those two in particular, you can tell that New Japan thinks, oh, okay, we the, these are. These are stars of stars that we can really build this this thing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that crossover show on uh, November twentieth uh, uh, is, is that show yep. happening? That's the New Japan Stardom uh, crossover show. So uh, that's kind of going to kickstart then uh, uh, the continued. Yeah, like you said, the IWGP Women's Championship, all that sort of stuff. So uh, they're going to continue to be very very important. So uh, yeah, if, if you want to start learning about Joshi, now is probably a good time. If you're a New Japan fan and and you're wondering, hey, who are all these people that are going to be on these shows, or who are these people that are going to be in this? Like now is the time to. Uh, uh, to get learning, but uh, yeah. let's let's talk about a little bit about the rest of this show, and and obviously there mm-hmm. was God, what was it, fifteen matches or something like that? Was a gonna, lot. Uh, we are not going to cover every single one of those matches. It was an AEW pay per view, but like two hours shorter. Yes, right. Which was I, I appreciated <laughs> that how short it was, but I couldn't believe that. Like, yeah, they were just getting in, getting out, and new entrance. If you skip entrances, man, you could get this show over with in like you know forty five mm-hmm. minutes uh, or oh, whatever. Yeah. But uh, you know, there's some good entrance music, so I don't know why you would do that, but. Um, 
anything else that that stands out or that if people wanted to check this show out and maybe say, hey, look, mm-hmm. I don't have two hours to watch everything. Um, what are things that I need to know? What are things that were important? What what, what else from this five star? Because it was a tr- tremendous show. I thought top to bottom, very very good. Uh, nothing quite hit the level that that that, that Julia did in, in, in both those matches. Uh, those were the best two matches far and away uh, of the entire night. But uh, yeah, is there is there anything else on this show that you really thought uh, stood out to you or, or that people should check out? Uh, Mayu Iwatani versus Starlight Kid. I think that's a match you need to know the history for. Like. Wow. The Julia and that you wrote an article at voiceswrestling.com about I it. I know, so. I know. It's Perfect. it's funny. It's funny how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, um, but so like, it, it most of the time I write things is like the like features and not just previews or reviews, is because I get inspired by something. And this match, not necessarily because it was the greatest match of all time. That was a great match. Don't get me wrong. Because I think if you know the story between these two. You, you can believe a little more. Um, so just a quick background. Mayu Yutani is the icon of stardom. She was She's one of the threedom, which the threedom, if you don't know, is Io Shirai, Kairi, as known as Kairi Sane for many of the WWE fans, and Mayu Yutani. Mayu Yutani has, is the only one that didn't leave, right? She she did she did uh, win the, uh, what was the Ring of Honor woman's title called? Oh, Woman's God. of Honor title at yeah, one time. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But she didn't leave <laughs> stardom. She never right, left. Right. She's been the ace, the icon. What it, like, that is what she's been. And she, she debuted on stardom's very first show. So she is stardom, okay? And she had Starlight Kid in her group, Stars. The group is called Stars. So again, if, it's, if you can't figure out what the, how much she means, her group is literally just called Stars. And last year, Starlight Kid had to switch factions because they did a faction match where the last person pinned had to switch. Went to a way to tie, and then, you know, Starlight Kid through time starts to realize, oh, you know, maybe I can start winning with these ways. They're the heel group of Stardom. And... Ultimately, Mayu Yutani does a gauntlet match against the rest of Uedo Tai to get Starlight Kid back. They were former tag team partners also, uh, MK Sisters. They teamed at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year, Mm -hmm, actually, mm -hmm. as the MK Sisters. You wouldn't have known that they don't like each other anymore. They do like each other, but it's a little, it's a different story. Um, But anyways, and Mayu goes through all of them. She wins the gauntlet, and then Starlight Kid says, no, I'm not switching because my goal is to get to your level. That is my goal. I'm going to get to level Mayu Yutani. So at the five-star Grand Prix final last year, they wrestled. And Mayu pretty much Mayu ended her chance at the tournament. Fast forward to this year. Starlight Kid grows a lot. She learns a lot of new moves. She has some of the best matches of her career. She learns a lot of things. She's doing the uh, numero dos now. Learned from El Desperado, of course, because they are good friends, um, which is a big addition. I think it's changed her game. Fast forward to their match, you instantly see, and maybe this is me just being a wrestling fan reading into stories too much, but you see, like, after their first sequence, Mayu's like, oh, all right, I got to try a little more. I got I to gotta enter that championship-type mindset, which she has been so many times, because Starlight Kid has made herself better. Yeah. And as the match goes on, I'm not going to go through the whole match because I'd rather you just watch it or, of course, read my article and watch it. Um but there's struggle there. There's chances for Starlight Kid to win. And much like the Suzu match, you see at the end, even though Starlight Kid hit 
most of her new moves and most of her best shots, including the numero dos, where it looked like Mayu was out, she still couldn't beat Mayu Yutani. And that's one of the stories to follow through moving forward because that is a long-term story that the first time she beats her will be the most important because she's 0-5 against Mayu Yutani. Like, that might mean to her more than winning a title. And my whole point of this big ramble, I apologize. No, you're good. No, no, no. This is perfect. This is great. This is, is that Starlight Kid is going to be the face of this company. And I don't know if people understand that. I know I know, non-Joshi fans don't, but I don't even know if every Stardom fan knows that. Um, do you? Did you happen to see the poll that uh, was it Samurai TV did? Bushiro did. There was a poll that uh, wrestling fans in Japan did about the most popular wrestlers. And, you know, the top three were some form of Okada, Tanahashi, Naito, right? Understandable. Right. Three, you, three that make sense. Uh, I think Muto was in there as much as people don't like him. <laughs> yeah, Here, still he is very popular there. Muto, Minoru Suzuki, Will Ospreay, you know, all the major names in Japan. And at number 11 was Starlight Kid. Yeah. She was higher than everyone. Everyone in stardom. And that alone, I think, should speak to her limit because she's 21 years old. She is 21 years old. The sky is still the limit. Um, and and Mayu has been very open that she wants her to pretty much take over stars when she's done and gone, which I hope is never. But, you know, I'm not going to win that battle. And the point is, is that this match was just another building block in the career of Starlight Kids. So I, I recommend checking that out. I didn't mean to go as long as I did. No, no, no. It was a match that as a fan who's so invested in these two wrestlers, like Mayu Yutani is my favorite wrestler of all time. Um, it was just such a fun watch because you're seeing the future just, you know, kind of show. You're seeing the future and you're in, you're getting excited because you're watching Julia and do what she did all night and growing stardom as is. But by the time Starlight Kid's at the top, I don't know where stardom's going to be. But that's the exciting part of it because yeah. she's going to be the face of this company with or without the mask. She has been open that she may not want the mask anymore down the line. But that's the excitement. That's why I say watch it. You can watch the rest of the show if all I care. There's a lot of there's a lot of like good wrestling matches, but in terms of story, the three matches that we talked about, those are the story matches. And I think that's always what makes wrestling better. Yeah, for, for sure. But uh yeah, that, that's so it's great recommendations, great uh, way to, to set you up. Uh, for that, if people are, are interested in watching those, like I said, the uh, uh, preview did uh, the preview of the finals uh, has a, a, a recommended uh, recommended matches because uh, yeah, what was it 160? What did you say 167 matches? Or something like that? 157, including the final. Yeah, it was a lot. You don't need to watch all those. That uh, <laughs> no. is not recommended by anybody. And I heard no. that from a you lot of people that were like, "Oh, you're lucky. You only watch the finals." And I was like, "Yeah, this is a great show." And they're like, "I just wanted it to end. I'm just done with watching I never... wrestling." Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know. I, I love wrestling so much that I never really felt that way. Yeah, yeah. It was more like, just get me to the next big show with the big matches. Because, you know, you have some matches in there, as every tournament has. That you're oh, like, sure. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's, let's get through this. Like, the only, <laughs> truthfully, the only tournaments, like, I recommend to watch all of are, like, Julia, Starlight Kid, and, like, Hanan for different reasons. Hanan, because this was her first, and she's she's, like... 
going to be one of the major faces and she, her matches were like six minutes. It's not that long. Like her whole tournament probably added up to like 40 minutes total. Not very long. Um, and then Starlight Kid, I've, I've kind of just alluded to her story throughout and Julia because I mean, Julia, but you don't have to watch this full tournament. I just, I just date. I just told you why you just need to watch the final night. So you're welcome. There it is. Yeah. But if, if you are a complete <laughs> or not a completist, but at least want to check out more, uh, that piece, uh, yeah. gives you some good recommendations. Yes. Uh, just do that out. if you and want. I know some matches. people have already started doing that as well. I've heard from cool. a few people that said, "Okay, I, I did. Uh, I did go uh, and do that." So, all right, that is uh, that's Stardom. Uh, obviously, all that can be found at Oof. Stardom World. Uh, if you want to uh, watch that, uh, your pieces uh, up at VoicesOfWrestling.com again. Uh, Destiny, uh, Julia, and the One Night Journey to Perfection. I'll put that in the show description as well. Uh, and then the Starlight Kid one that just uh, posted as of uh, right before we got on the air here, uh, Starlight Kid has become the heir to the icon for stardom. So I will link to both of those uh, so you can check them out after the show if you're interested. And you should definitely read those. They're both very, very good. So uh, that is that. But uh, let's get to uh, one more thing here before uh, we officially say goodbye for the night. And that is a Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling event that is coming up this weekend. Wrestle Princess Three. So this is Tokyo Joshi mm. Pros. For people that don't know, this is their big, uh, big show. This is, of the year? This is like, their this is it, WrestleMania. Right? I always say WrestleMania because you know I grew up WWE. It's the it's their signature show. Yeah, their Wrestle Kingdom, their WrestleMania, their whatever yes. is their signature show. It, it has wrestle in it. So it like. It's right there for you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, and uh, obviously, if you're if you're new to Tokyo Joshi Pro or whatever, all of their shows are on Wrestle Universe as well. So if you subscribe or you've been interested in subscribing for Noah or for DDT. They're all in that cyber fight family. So, you know, it, it's a good value, especially right now. And, and Joe Gagne alluded to it earlier. Uh, the dollar is doing pretty good against the yen right now. Uh, so I don't yeah, know what Wrestle is. Universe is right now, but it's not a bad value to get uh, Noah DDT and Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, all in, in, in one service and all yep. in very good quality, too. We love Kanosuke Takeshita. Yes. So you can see him. Yes. Yeah, that's where he's at. <laughs> you can also to... see Keiji Muto. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's 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 gifts and there's curses to, to everything. But uh, you are going to be able to stream uh, this Tokyo Joshi Pro show live uh, this weekend. Uh, so, Scott, we'll have a, a, a preview up at uh, voiceofwrestling.com. But for people that uh, that, that maybe want to check this out or uh, are thinking, hey, is this worth my time? What would you say about this show uh, you know, as as we approach mm-hmm. it coming up this weekend, is this something that you are going to carve time out for? Are you kind of on the fence about it? Uh, if there's uh, people, yeah, in the background that are like, "Hey, I'm, I am, should I be interested in this? Should I plan my weekend around it?" Uh, what would you say uh, about this show? TVPW is an acquired taste. That's my best way to describe them because it's it's. It's not like Starm. Like Starm, you go to for that like full on wrestling experience. I think right. Like in terms of like people call Starm work rate, but it's not just work rate. But you get the stories and everything, right? Um, this I always try to say this right because TJPW fans will get mad at me. They have their hits and they have their misses. That's my best way to say it. Um, there will be some really good matches on the show. And there will be some things that I'm going to completely avoid. So I have to watch this whole show. I say I completely avoid. I have to watch this whole show because I cover it. I'm going to do the live results and whatnot for Fightful.com. But this, to me, is a show you should watch after. It is a show that you should wait, see what people liked, see what people didn't. Because I... 
I think this is a show that you have to watch yourself to figure out if you're going to like Tokyo Joshi Pro. Of course, there are people that may be listening to this and know more wrestlers from TJPW than they do from Stardom, right? You got uh, Maki Ito, of course, who pops up in AEW, Miyu Yamashita, who had the one match. Um, Riho's on this show. If you have missed Riho, you finally get to see her, not in AEW, but you get to see Riho. Um, Aja Kong? Everyone knows Aja Kong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you don't, Aja Kong's on this on, show? You're a bad wrestling fan. You got to know Aja Kong. Ever, Aja Kong's on this show, so maybe out of just curiosity, that might drive you. I think uh, she's teaming with two wrestlers to face Maxi Impaler from here in the U.S. Yep. and two others. Um, and then there's three title matches, including the main event, which is Shoko Nakajima and Yuka Sakazaki, who, of course, have been in AEW before. Yuka Sakazaki, big fan favorite here, of course. Uh, my... Uh, I try, I really, TJPW is a weird company. Okay, Rich, I'm going to be, uh, be one-on-one with you here. Um, I think, again, you should wait. You should wait to see because it starts at 1 a.m. Eastern next Sunday. I don't oh, know. Good, of, it's just good and bad. The 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 good yeah. is yeah, you can start it early, but the bad is You're gonna be tired by the good stuff. Right, That's right, right. Yeah, because there are people that love that and I don't. I much prefer a a show that starts later in the because then you know maybe I don't watch it all live, but I can wake up at you know four a.m. and know okay the mm, next that's my preference. The next two hours are all going to be really good because I've done yeah. these stay up and it, there's nothing worse than like you've been up for twenty four hours or more and <laughs> yeah. it's like four thirty a.m. and you're like oh man like I'm too tired to even enjoy this main event and I'm sure it's good I think it's that's good me. but I don't know if it's good <laughs> or not. <laughs> yeah, like I. I pick and choose when I stay up. So, like, if it's Wrestle Kingdom, I'm staying up. If it's Stardom's pay-per-views, I'm staying up. But that's because I do coverage, too. Um, with uh, with certain Japanese promotions, I pick and choose. I pick and choose. New Japan and Stardom are the ones that keep me awake. This one I will stay up for because it's their signature show. There is cheering. So that's automatically okay. going to make this All show right. better. That automatically makes this show better. Um, Alex Windsor versus Miyu Watanabe to me is the match that if you're looking for a great match, this could be it. Of course, Alex Windsor was just on Royal Quest, I believe. Yes, 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 yes. Part of that tag match. So I don't know when Royal Quest is going to come out. Nobody does. Nobody does. (laughs) I don't think so. I was going to say, I don't, I have. I was going to say, oh, maybe you'll get an idea of how she is a wrestler. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) She wrestles in Rev Pro. Not as of this recording. So, um, but yeah, this shows a it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. That's my best way to explain it. But it is the best way to find out if you like TJPW or not. And I'll also say this for the wrestlers that have appeared in AEW, some of them have shown you what they can do, and some of you have not. And the, the have not is Miyu Yamashita. I stress this very much so because her match with Thunder Rosa on AEW Dynamite, I think it was Fighter Fest. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, they had the not, title match. Yeah. That did not work. Because they had a really good match in, in, yeah. in, in Tokyo Joshi right. Pro. So it was like, all right, this is going to be good. And then it just was not at all. Yeah, it didn't work. That's my best way to explain Yeah, that's just, a very nice way to put it. Yes. Miyu Yamashita is a lot better than that. Yes. Um, some people do believe she is the best women's wrestler in the world. Um, that showing, again, 
was not it. Uh, Maki Ito's also a lot better in TJPW. And I know, you know, Maki Ito's a weird one because when she comes to the U.S., she plays to what a, to a lot of the fans love, which obviously I would too. You know, that's how you're going to make money, yeah, right? She goes sure. on these indie shows. People are going to sing her song with her, and that's that's that. But she's actually a good wrestler. And they are a tag team. They will be facing Riho and Hikari No. I feel like that match, if any, is going to be the most watched because of the Riho factor. Um, do you like Riho? Uh, I am in between on Riho. I, I don't I don't hate don't her get as much as other her, people so hate her, tough. but I, I, I think she's I think she has potential and she is solid, but I don't know that you've I've seen her do better stuff outside of AEW and I've seen her do mm. stuff in AEW that I liked, but yeah, yeah. I, I'm very much like indifferent on her. I, I, I could take her or leave her, really. She had the last Britt Baker match that I liked, so I'll say that, um, which I don't remember when that was. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Battle of the Belts, actually, the uh, first one, ooh, which is pretty uh, timely. Yes. I think yeah, I did yeah, that pretty yeah. <laughs> accidentally. Not that I'm amped up for Battle of the Belts or anything, but besides the point, uh, the main event, this is the only match I'm going to really talk about in depth here. It's like Shogun Nakajima and Yuka Sakazaki. They're the two of the pillars. They're two of the pillars of TJPW. And Yuka Sakazaki's probably going to win. I actually had an interview with her, and I'm going to, if this is okay with you, I'm going to oh, give plug a nice away. plug. No, no, absolutely. Here. Plug. Uh, this, I did it on Fightful.com. It's oh, actually it's a Fightful. Pod- no, you can't plug that. I'm just kidding. Ah, well, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a podcast <laughs> interview. So I actually got to have a conversation with oh, her. Oh, that's let awesome. Me tell you. That's really cool. Like, let me, let me legitimately tell everyone she's probably the nicest person I ever talked to ever. Um, so go listen to that just to get an idea. I did one with Shoko, too. So there are two interviews there. Um, that one's a written one, but this this is going to probably be Yuka's rise back to the top. Rich, the reason the reason I say <laughs> all these things right about TJPW is because they can be good. In my eyes, in my eyes, they can be good. I think they just step on their toes too much because. Miyu Watanabe, who I talked about earlier, who's in the co-main event fighting for the secondary title, the yeah. uh, International Princess Championship. She had probably the TJPW match of the year against Miyu Yamashita in the semifinals of their Tokyo Princess Cup, which is like the New Japan Cup's uh, format-wise single elimination. And she had the match of the year, match of her career, and she goes to the finals to Yuka Sakazaki, a pillar, a former two-time champion, and loses. And to me, that is something that I think a lot of TJPW fans have frustration with. And that's why I'm not always into it like I want it to be, because they don't believe in the new person. Like last year's Wrestle Princess, Miyu Yamashita versus Maki Ito, had a natural story, and they didn't go with the new person. Miyu Yamashita won, and then she went on to lose to Shoko Nakajima. A pillar, right? And when I say pillars, this isn't like the AEW pillars. This is like pillars as in they have been the center of TJPW forever. Right, they've been and, there already, not the future yeah, pillars. Like the- they've all been they've all been the top champion. So they don't their their problems, they just don't push the people that I'm that I know already. And like you listen to that my interview with Yuka Sakazaki and you you read my interview with Shogun Nakajima, they both said Miyu Yamashita is the per or not Miyu Yamashita, Miyu Watanabe is the person they want to face next. And I'm like, okay, so the pillars are saying that she's pretty much ready. And 
right? And she had this, and the fans are saying she's ready, and then she lost. So it's like my natural frustration is just because you like to see promotions grow. You like to see them do new things, and that's the one thing they don't necessarily always do. But I'm not saying to not watch this show. I'm saying you should check it out after the fact, see what people like, see yeah. what people didn't like, because TJPW, again, is a choir case. There's going to be some comedy. There's going to be some not-so-serious things. There's going to be some really good wrestling. There's going to be some things that just might be bad. And that's just my honest <laughs> description of TJPW, because it's hard for me to watch a complete show, but I will give them props when TJPW is good. They can be great. It's just a matter if they want to or not. Yeah, it's a, it's a great recommendation there. But like I said, that that will be available uh, streaming live, of course, on, on, on Russell Universe. But uh, yeah, if you want to take Scott's suggestion and wait until after the show and see what people recommend. or Also maybe, at 1 a.m. Yeah, like yeah, said, yeah. So. <laughs> right. Uh, and you want to check out any of the other, you know, the title matches, the last three matches of the night or whatever, then that. They usually get them up. I'm, I'm trying to remember. I, I don't think I've – they get the stuff up on Russell Universe, the replays up. Oh, it's up right after. Pretty immediately, right? Yeah, I've watched yep. stuff, I think, like that morning of uh, after <laughs> it wraps up like an hour later. So, yeah, that stuff's up uh, very, very quickly. So, uh, if you want, you can just wake up and, and watch it then, but mm-hmm. uh, whichever way you want to do. So, that is Russell Princess 3. That has been Stardom uh, Five Star Grand Prix. And, uh, Scott, we are right about uh, done uh, with the show now, I do want to let you have the floor to uh, give your plugs. I, I I was kidding earlier. You can plug five. You can plug wherever you want. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let people know where they can follow you, where they can listen to you, where they can read the rest of your work. You're all over the place, so uh, this might be a little long, but hey, you earned it. So <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So I don't usually. It's so funny. Anytime I'm on a show, they're just like, just follow me at Scott E Wrestling on Twitter. That's where I post everything. That's where I do. But. I'm on the flagship, so I'll, I'll do a little. I'll do oh, a few yeah, more. Uh, yeah, you got I'll it. do a few more plugs. Uh, you can show. see a lot of listeners here. <laughs> I know exactly. I'm taking advantage <laughs> of it. Don't you worry. Um, so you can check uh, a lot of my interviews out on Fightful.com. Um, you know, I've had two interviews this past week with the uh, indie uh, Joshi wrestler who's going to be at West Coast Pro this weekend, uh, Mio Momono. That just released um, today, Thursday. Uh, she's going with Chagusa Nagayo, big Joshi legend, of course, to that show. Not, not to interrupt, uh, uh, quickly, uh, about doing those interviews, are you going through Translate, or are they English, or like, do they know enough English to go back and forth? I've, I'm always kind of fascinated by that. How, how, do, you, yes. how do you go about it, that? It depends on the uh, promotion, of course. Um, some of them, they'll have me just send questions, and they'll translate the answers back. Okay. Some, like I said, TJPW has me do the actual interview, and we, I get to talk back and forth. I've done that now with both Yuka Sakazaki and Miyu Yamashita. Um, so it's different in each company. One company just sent me the Japanese responses, so I did my absolute best to translate <laughs> those. Say, I hope um, I'm doing this right. Yeah. Right. Like I, I yeah. talked back and forth with people. Like That was with Sendai Girls, the promotion that uh, Mako Satomura owns, of course. Um, like They just sent me the responses. Said, Is this good? I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll figure it out. Which I did. Which I did. But it's all different. It's yeah, all different. Yeah, it's all crazy. But But Ultimately, my goal is just to get like these Joshi promotions out to here in America because yeah, that's that's, right. that's where they want to expand ultimately at the end of the day, or at least some of them do, at least have them watch their shows, uh, which we live in a world now where everything's accessible, which is so great. So, yeah, that uh, check out all that at Fightful. I do a weekly um, article there every week, at least one that's Fightful Joshi Guide, as I called it gives you a little bit of the best from the past week uh, and of course voice of the wrestling.com 
that's where I do my stardom previews. Um, I sometimes do reviews. It depends on if Alex Richards needs help or not, um, which, you know, he's great at them. So I never really bother him on them. It's just, But the Grand Prix, like we said, was how many days? Yeah, he needed my help. Yeah, a little oh, yeah, bit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just split that up over, what, 20, uh, 21 or something like that? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where all my Joshi features go. So um, if I have, it's usually stardom. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Um, and I do other content elsewhere. I have multiple, po- I have the five-star Joshi show. That's my weekly Joshi podcast on uh, Fight Game Media Network. That's a show that means a lot to me. That's my chance to talk about it each and every week. Um, we're really, you know, finding our groove. So please check that out. Um, I have a podcast called Ring Post Radio, which is where I talk about pretty much everything else in wrestling. Because, like I said, I do watch everything. You may follow me, like is this this guy only talk Joshi, but I love watching AEW. I go through watching WWE. I'm not gonna say I love it. I used to love it back way back in the day. Um, I watch New Japan. Like I'm really excited for New Japan actually having a show this this coming week because I feel like they've been a show forever. So, yeah, check that out. Um, I, I'm in so many different places. So please, most importantly, um, if you want to see what I'm doing, if you actually enjoy what I've said, which, you know, I'm sure it's hit or miss, you can follow me at Scott E. Wrestling on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. There you go, Scott. I want to thank you so much for coming on here. Uh, again, all this stuff, uh, voiceofwrestling.com, you can read it there. Uh, and again, follow him on Twitter at Scott E. Wrestling. Scott, really did appreciate this. Uh, this is good. Hopefully, I, I don't know if I can sell Joe on doing more Joshi moving forward on hey, the show. It's okay. but, uh, but it's okay. Little by little, brick by brick, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do here. Uh, eventually, Stardom's going to be on New Japan, so he's going to have no choice but uh, to, to review it. So uh, we'll, we'll see. But uh, this is nice to do, be able to do this for a little bit. And uh, I got to say, <laughs> I'm uh, after watching that, that five-star Grand Prix, I'm, 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 you know, I might be added to the regular rotation for a little bit. So uh, uh, I, I want to appreciate the write-up on, on, on Julia, too, which really did kind of say, like, okay, wait a minute. Maybe I need to start watching this stuff even a little bit more intently than I was uh, before so yeah again mm-hmm. just tremendous tremendous work on that i'll link it in the description uh but you can find it over at voices of as well and that is going to do it for this episode of uh the flagship of course subscribe to the flagship and all of the podcasts on the voice wrestling podcast network on your podcast app of choice uh, if they do reviews obviously do that if they do ratings do that that helps us out tremendously uh, as well, uh, columns, previews, reviews, all that other good stuff available at voicesofwrestling.com. Uh, our Patreon, flagshippatreon.com, voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon. Uh, I should note that we have now officially moved to anniversary billing. And that means, uh, real quickly, the difference is you are not going to get charged on the first every month. We always would do that segment on the flagship. We would say it'd be the you know, four days until the end of the month. And we would say, don't subscribe to us because you're going to get charged today. And then you're going to get charged again on the first. And we say, don't subscribe, don't subscribe, don't subscribe. Wait a couple more days. And then you can subscribe. We don't have to do that anymore. Because now if you start subscribing on the 15th, you're going to get charged every single month on the 15th. If you subscribe on the first, you're going to get charged on the first. And if you subscribe on the 28th, well, guess what? You're going to get charged on the 28th. So it is going to charge you when you subscribe. So there's no longer that pressure to, okay, there's a couple days left in the month. Don't subscribe now. Subscribe in a week. Don't have to think about any of that anymore. If you like what we do, you want additional content from Joe and Rich, uh, you want additional flagship Patreon content, just subscribe whenever you want. It does not matter. You will be just charged on the day that you subscribed every single month. So it's a really cool thing that they're doing. I'm glad they finally went to that. Uh, and we were more than happy to sign up immediately when that uh, was offered. So uh, anniversary billing now available 
uh, at flagshippatreon.com. But that is it for us. I want to thank, of course, Joe Gagne for doing the first half of the show here. Uh, follow him at Joe Gagne on Twitter. Uh, then Scott, thank you once again. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott E. Wrestling. Scott, thank you so much. And uh, listeners, thank you so much. We'll talk to you again next time. Take care. Bye.